Welcome to Shardcast, the Brandon Sanderson podcast. We're a bunch of mega fans giving you the news discussion, and of course, a whole lot of opinions about Brandon's works and the Cosmere. I'm Eric, and joining me is Alex. Hello, I'm Feather, and as you might notice, I'm in a different place. Whoa! I've recently, so no more bed in my background and weird door to nowhere. <laughs> I have a nicer background. I, I so, liked the mystery hello. of the door to nowhere, personally. The mystery door that my bed was in front of. Yeah. Here we go. It's very fantasy. <laughs> like, it's very, uh, like, Narnia, Lion, yeah. Witch, and the Wardrobe. Like, you've got that, that secret door that goes to the other world. You don't think in I don't ever know it to my uh, air conditioning unit, so we put the bed in front no. of it. Go, go, yeah, go back to previous episodes. It the door. Yeah, go look at there and just like, yeah, no, th- there is a bed blocking a door <laughs> in that room. That's true. Also joining us from uh, heaven is Grace <laughs> in a very <laughs> wide place. Hello, I am Gator Girl. And you're also in a new location. I am in a new location. I am in the void. The white void. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I don't uh, know. Nice. Uh, <laughs> and also not in a new location is Jesse. Hello, I'm Lady Lameness. And we also have Veronica. Hello, I am Cheyenne Sedai. And lastly, we have a special guest, uh, Zach. Hey everyone, I'm Zach or Suda. Yeah, that's yeah. uh, me. You, um, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself? Uh, and he, you're here because you you know things about the industry that we don't. <laughs> I do. Yes, uh, a little bit about me. Uh, besides me being like an audio contra and doing all this stuff. That's true. Yeah, uh, I I've been working in the TV and film industry for. Well over a decade since I was 16. Maybe you shouldn't have, but uh, I, I've worked for a lot of <laughs> wonderful companies. I've worked for low-budget movies that are in the millions. I've worked for TV shows, and currently I do YouTube stuff. Cool! And I am Chaos, and I believe Jess has some show-and-tell, I'm told. I do. I do have show-and-tell. So Eric and I went to the fair yesterday. And it was very busy. These two little toys, uh, which honestly was a little bit more disappointing than last year, because last year... There's videos out there of me showing these off as well. They were like these really cute fruits and tacos. And I spent a lot of money trying to get them. (laughs) Whereas this year, I didn't really want anything. And these were just kind of the things I got in the end. But uh, I played the ducks and the ducks are a great carnival game. And the other one was much more of a ripoff than the standard carnival game. So, you know, that's (laughs) really saying something. But anyway, these are what I wanted to show. Anywho. Today, what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about Cosmere adaptations. So uh, a little bit ago, we had movie news and I'll put the Shardcast uh, on the upper right little card that you can click. I'll put it in the description, too. Uh, basically, it it seems like seems like something's happening and pretty soon uh, it's not finalized. Yep. As of recording, we don't have an announcement, and I swear to God, if it happens in the next week, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> but So just know that this episode that we're recording, we have no actual knowledge of what an adaptation actually is or any news. So hopefully we have like a little bit of time where this is fun and useful before we actually get an announcement. Apologies if we've clickbaited someone who thought that we were like talking about an upcoming yeah. announcement that we know about. Yeah. This is speculation. Well, look, well, that, feel free to that was the web episode. 
Yeah. That one was a clickbait as well. Yeah. And we put it at the front <laughs> like there and there was movie news. Like there was there was a lot of stuff. And that that episode got great analytics. So great. <laughs> we an extra segment. That yeah. was, we, the whole we did. Video, we did. Which was a lot of fun. Jess turned into David. It was weird. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we're going to speculate and talk about all sorts of stuff that an adaptation brings. Uh, and and that that's what we're going to do today. Uh but first, what I wanted to talk about before we get into specific adaptation stuff is I wanted to talk about community guidelines for The 17 Shard, our YouTube channel, our Discord, because, you know, an adaptation is going to bring a lot of new people to the fandom. And uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but fan discourse around big fantasy adaptations has been terrible and we would like our nice community to not turn into a toxic cesspit so i just wanted to have a few guidelines that we're gonna do uh we don't have finalized guidance we'll, we'll have like rules and stuff posted eventually we're, we've been busy so that this is just sort of where we're thinking right now uh i, I will say for like structure we're gonna have a separate space for like Discussing adaptations, we'll have a separate adaptation forum, separate channel. Adaptation stuff won't be allowed in the regular book spaces, so it shouldn't really affect that, and we'll just move all adaptation talk over there. We will eventually have a place more close to release for people who are show only. That's sort of my first rule slash expectation that I want to get into. No gatekeeping new fans. Don't do it. People who watch... A Cosmere show are also cool fans, and it, I think the goal is we want more people to enjoy Brandon Sanderson's work. Mm -hmm. And if we're like, oh, you're not a real fan because you just watched the show, that is super elitist. Uh, and I will just say, for any of these rules, there's going to be a lot of people and probably... We're, we're not going to have a lot of time for endless warnings. So, like, you maybe get one warning and then you're out. Like, we're not going to be tolerating BS. Okay. All right. Two, no toxic negativity. Okay. What does this mean? So, if you, you cannot like a thing, I don't have any issue with that. But if you just want to be like constantly taking a dump all the time about the thing you don't want in every conversation you're in all the time, Take it a step back. You don't you don't need to do that. You know, if so, if you don't like a thing and someone else well, it just like comes in and it's like, oh, you know, this I really liked. You don't need to like come in like a hawk and be like, no, you shouldn't like that. And this is why. Like, people can like different things. And that's okay. Uh it's fine. For people to like a thing, it's fine for you to not like a thing. If you disagree about that, that's not a personal attack on you, necessarily. If you are personally attacking people, we will also boot your, boot your ass out of here, just to be clear. But disagreement by itself is not a personal attack on you, yeah. okay? Um, also, no toxic positivity. So if you're like, I love a thing and someone's criticizing it, it's like, ah, it's time to 
get rid of them uh, there and just like pounce on them. You also don't need to do that. Eric and I were talking about this yesterday when he was doing the outline and the thing that came to my mind to try and have a succinct way of putting this is you can like or dislike a thing and talk about that. You don't need to convince everybody else to have your opinion. It is okay to have different thoughts. It's a piece of media. We don't need to go into holy wars about it because none of this matters. And I say this having what we're I think this might be episode 190 of Sharkcast. It might be 191. I have been in the fandom for 15 years. I am a very invested fan. A piece of media is not your entire identity. And it's okay if someone doesn't like it. If someone's like, oh, I read Miss Bourne and I, I didn't really like the prose. I'm, I might not read more Brandon stuff. That's fine. We don't need to like try and convince them. Like, it's okay. It's okay. And it's fine if like you don't like some things in the show. It's fine if other people like things in the yeah. show. It'll be fine. We just, let's not fuel the outrage machine and be reasonable, nuanced people you guys read Mistborn and Stormlight books. I know you guys can think, have multiple thoughts in your brain and like think critically. I know you can. I don't think that's unreasonable. Yeah, and we saw this firsthand with the Wheel of Time adaptation. Yes, we did. Thank God for that dry run, but also... <laughs> I do not want the repeat of that in the communities. There were uh, yeah. so many places I had to leave, so many places I had to disengage. Yes. I got t- so tired of the drama eventually. Yes. We're not going to be fueling the drama. We're here. not thinking critically. And yes, uh, I believe in our Wheel of Time show, uh, we, we, there was an actual YouTube comment uh, saying uh, that you're a bad person for liking a thing. And I'm like, you should just have your internet privileges revoked and maybe like odium <laughs> lightning bolt on you. It, like, what are you doing? It's what? That's just baffling. If if you say a thing like that, you're a bad person. Get off the internet. Like, I I, I don't know. Like, what? Why are we doing this? Who can? Uh, it it's so irritating. So just be reasonable. One last thing. Diversity is good. We are not going to be debating the value of diversity. I think what we're going to have is we're going to have a long thread explaining why diversity is good. If that means if you need to unsub for that opinion, okay, fine, whatever. Uh, I I, I don't know. I I think it's generally good. uh, And I, I, I don't want. Like Stormlight characters all being whitewashed and Kaladin being white and thing, things like that. And we, we don't need to get into a big thing. We might also completely ban casting threads because casting threads often get into this and uh, where let's say there are racial biases that uh, happen even if people are not racist. Hey, that totally happens uh, and happened a lot with the Wheel of Time show. Yes. Uh, oh, and, and Rings and of Power, to be clear. With- uh the wheel of time like we're past season one and with season two castings like avienda and all that just restarted the whole debate again. it's like no diversity is good and diversity in all accounts racial sexual uh, gender everything you don't want diversity is everything good. to Period. just be all the same people and if you think that that is true just imagine what if it was a thing that no one looked like you Right. 
maybe you wouldn't want to go consume that thing. I don't know, whatever. Uh, I'm sure I will get a lot of hate and I'll just have to remove you from the comments and that'll be great. So, the, you know, just starting good. I don't care uh, if, if you disagree with that. We're not going to be debating it because it's really not good to have people just spew things like that. Sorry, yeah, it's not. On this topic, I will recommend the article that Rick Riordan wrote on his blog. Oh, that was a good article. That was, that was a really good article. Uh, regarding the casting of Leia Sava Jeffries as Annabeth Chase, who in the books was a white character. Leia is black. Leia embodies Annabeth. I haven't seen her act, but you look at her Instagram and she is Annabeth. So Rick wrote an excellent article about that talking about fans reactions to the casting in general and how diversity is important so we'll, we'll, probably we'll put that, that in the description, in the description. because description. that was so good just to add on to the end of this you might be wondering why we spend so much time like going through this stuff and like community stuff and diversity and all of that as veronica said like we had a dry run of this with the wheel of time show which isn't even our fandom but has a lot of crossover with the cosmic fandom so we saw a lot of the things that can come to light and i not speaking on behalf of any other staff member but i'm rather nervous about adaptations because of that because i've seen like what can happen to communities and like the stuff that drives people away or that burns people out. So this is important to us to try and set expectations from the beginning. So people here know what is expected of them because we're, we are going in like a little bit with our shields up of what are we going to uh, come across in terms of these um, adaptations if when they come out and just like how do we deal with the community aspect and trying to be uh, transparent and upfront about that now means people know going in, they're not uh, blindsided by like what we decide to do with the community when these come out. How about we transition to maybe something a little more positive uh, and talk about adaptations themselves and what are you all excited about for adaptations? You, you, I, I suppose we can also say e excited slash fears. We, we could do that too. But uh, are we excited about adaptations? <laughs> talk, talk about our, our, your feels. Yeah, I, I think for me, I, I think where I'm setting my expectations at is I want to see characters I find hot in the books hot on screen and played by hot actors. And I think that's, that's, that's my baseline, and I, I don't think I'm going to be disappointed, so... Hollywood having hot people is usually a safe <laughs> bet, so... If anything, they'll probably be more hot than what their book uh, counterparts are supposed to look it's like, really. It's time, so... Yeah. Very attractive <laughs> cast. I, I think some of the things that I'm probably most excited about are... Like, I know that I'm like the anti-real Maddox person, but seeing magic <laughs> systems, um, I think Brandon has really visually interesting mm -hmm. magics in a lot of his world. And I would love to see that. I really want to see costumes. Um, uh, we, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I'm not really a Game of Thrones fan, but I did watch the show. And I think like some of the beautiful costuming in those productions was just like amazing. I'd love to see some of that in some of the more unique Cosmere things. Yeah, I think those are like two of the highest. And also hot characters. Totally agree. We gotta have some hot <laughs> I think nobody's gonna disagree with that. Yeah, I'm gonna jump on the train with uh, Grace and Alex and say hot characters. 
and and everything else no. in, in my mind literally everything else is up in the air for them to potentially change do differently slot together like pull apart like i i don't want to have too many expectations going in mm-hmm. because i've found in the past that the things that i've done that for where i've just taken all my expectations away and like tried not to want anything from it i've enjoyed a lot more than when i have gone into things being like oh it's gonna be like this it's this story with these characters and it's gonna go like this and like a lot of the harry like the later harry potter movies were like that for me and i just didn't enjoy them as much i think because i did have specific expectations of like oh i want this scene or like this relationship or whatever it was um so yeah hot characters hot characters sound good to me (laughs) yeah i'm gonna jump on the production value train because Mm. there are something i mean most recently there are so many shows that even with all the vfx drama that has been going on post-covid there's so many shows that look so good the shots from rings of power are gorgeous probably the the most gorgeous i've seen in my life um the costuming like details and things like game of thrones even though i never watched that and like the wheel of time this is the cosmere it's one of the major fantasy series that doesn't have an adaptation yet and knowing what we know about the way the process is going from what Brendan said last time, which we covered on our yep. movie news. You'll see our movie news. We're not going to recount it here. All those signs are pointing to a lot of money being thrown at the Cosmere, and I hope it delivers in terms of the visuals, the details. And mm-hmm. the other thing I'm excited about is sharing it with people, because there are many times that it's very hard to explain all these things. It's the reason I started uh, the, the other podcast uh, that I do called the World Topper Podcast, to try it explain to new readers like what's all this about because it's really hard it's like oh well there's so many books and you're like okay well what's the best order who are the world hoppers like all, it gets super overwhelming and so finally being able to share this with my friends with my family with all those people who i've never been able to properly explain what the cosmere is about it's gonna be really fun definitely uh i was even just asked a little bit ago at my work because i i teach uh college and i i've mentioned oh yeah i make, I make youtube content and they, they they desperately try and wheedle out the name 17 shard uh and and sometimes they do but usually i'm like ah, i don't know i don't know what my youtube channel is called but uh, <laughs> but one of them and one of them was like oh yeah i i subscribed i'm like yeah you probably have no idea what's going on like not even a little bit i have no idea what's happening here and so like it really will be nice to be able to be like hey, there's a movie, there's a show, there's a big budget there, because that's just going to be a different scale. And I can just be like, hey, you can, you can, there's an endpoint, which is cool. Yeah. yeah. And it's happened to me already with The Wheel of Time. Uh, a couple of my classmates came up to me and they're like, oh, we watched The Wheel of Time because you recommended it. I really enjoyed it. And like, I don't know much about it, but I really liked it. And so it's things like that. That I am really excited for with a Cosmere. And it's nice um, with a show or a movie as well, because like Brandon's books are great, but unless you are both a reader generally, uh, but also someone who is happy reading books that are like the five to seven, uh, five to a thousand page range, they're kind of hard to get into. And there are a lot of them. Like, even if you just go for Mistborn, that's still at least 1500 pages ish 
of era one to get through, which is daunting to people. So having some other form of media that is easier to digest, it's nice to then be able to go talk to friends and be like, Hey, that Mistborn show, let's talk about it because now you know what I'm talking about when I go on about those books for hours. I imagine this is kind of like comics fans and then like MCU. It's like, oh, now I can actually talk about these things to people because comics are definitely a thing that like, there's so much comics. I'm like, I I, I don't think I can. <laughs> like, there's too much. There's just way too much, you know? Uh, so like, yeah, it's going to be cool. I mean, for me, what I'm really excited for, right, is that I kind of, kind of talked about like production value, but the Cosmere compared to a lot of different fantasy is can be so different and weird in locations that it's almost interesting <laughs> yes. that it, it hasn't been visually represented. Like a lot of stuff with Mistborn. When you think of Mistborn, you already have like a color palette in your mind. It's just grays and whites and everything's miserable. But at the same time, you can see a lot of you know beautiful things uh, within that. Seeing kind of like what people like, which is pretty much like anime and like swords like Mistborn like seeing like all the fight scenes are going to be so fun with people jumping up and down and all the choreography like if you want a really good example of this if you watch any like Chinese wirework movie where like people like flying over the place like Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon that's the closest you're going to get to like Mistborn but think of that on like a super grand scale and it makes me super duper excited because I like stuff like this like seeing like Kelsier like fight a bunch of people and doing crazy wacky things Sounds so much fun compared to like Game of Thrones. As much as I like Game of Thrones, like people hitting two swords together after a while can get a little boring. Yeah, this is high magic, and that's that's going to yeah. be pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Oh, by and, the way, yeah. we are going to have Cosmere spoilers in this because we do want to talk oh, about yeah. Cosmere specifics. So, yes. no, you're you're totally fine. I'm just like, <laughs> oh, oh I didn't say that in my intro. So, yeah, we're we're going to yeah. talk about like Mistborn <laughs> and Stormlight. I don't think we're getting into other ones. But. Yeah. Yeah, you're good. Like, same as how, like, I can't wait to see shard blades being like giant anime oh. swords on screen and like it's proportional and how goofy it will be, but how they can make that dead serious <laughs> is going to be the best thing. Just like the eyes burning and stuff. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. It's oh, going to be straight up yeah. body yeah. horror at times. Yeah, great. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 It's going to be so awesome. <laughs> yeah. I brought this up and I will bring it up again. Uh, some of the ideas I've heard for Mistborn in particular in terms of locations and the way they're going to achieve all these things. Basically from Alan C. Rex. Again, I've mentioned him a lot. Um, they are very cool. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm just going to say, like, with as fast as this is going, sadly, he probably won't get his dream adaptation. But go support his short film anyway. It should be coming out at some point on uh, t- the Telekinesis Entertainment YouTube channel. It's going to be a lot of fun. We, we kind of talked about this in movie news, but let, let's quickly go through it again. What do you think's being adapted first? Uh, what do you think? What do you think Cosmere Rise is being adapted first? I assume it's going to be Cosmere, not like Snapshot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. No, no, no. I, I hope. I think there would be a lot of disappointment from Cosmere fans if like the first Brandon adaptation we got was non-Cosmere. Like there's there's great mm-hmm. stuff in his non-Cosmere stuff, but the Cosmere special. So yeah. 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 What do you think? Um, I, I think with the recent success of Dune, they're obviously going to go for like a white stand adaptation. <laughs> oh. <laughs> great, great. I'll, I'll see you in 2030. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll get the omnibus by then. <laughs> no, they're no, they're going to delay it again because they're going to make it the movie tie-in version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, with with like the, redo all the art with the movie characters. Yeah. Motion picture. No, it's just going to be stills from the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's, that's horrible. 
Oh no. <laughs> I think my vote probably goes to Mistborn Era 1. Just because mm -hmm. that tends to be where I try to start people mm -hmm. in like terms of reading the Cosmere too, just because I think it's the final empire in particular is just very short and snappy and cinematic. And um, I, we're probably going to go into wobs and stuff, but you've also seen a lot of like Brandon thinks a lot about how he would adapt the final empire's story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I really like a lot of the ideas that he's had of like some of the changes he would be interested in trying out and, like, as much as I love Miss More in the Final Empire, I'm almost like excited to see sort of like the 2.0 version of like Brandon more than 10 years later looking at like, how can I get the same vibes of this story and mm -hmm. tell it in maybe even a tighter way than he did before? Mm -hmm. um, I think when I'm like evaluating an adaptation, it's... It can be hard when you love the book so much because you want to hold tightly to all of those scenes and all of those moments and all of those specific conversations. And you're like, I want to see that. But I think a lot of times it's easier to enjoy an adaptation if you let it be its own thing. Yeah. Um, like the books are always going to be there. They're always going to have those wonderful moments that we enjoy. But it's cool to let sort of like a show have its or or a movie have its own sort of like breathing space to be a show rather than trying to hold too tightly. I think a lot of not always, but a lot of times sort of makes worse adaptation. So, yeah, Mistborn has a lot of interesting momentum behind it adaptation wise. I haven't kind of example to go off of that of um something i watched recently but uh I've, I've been like slowly working my way through sandman recently mm. and like i, I tried to sandman. listen to the like the graphic audio audio book with all the different cast members last year and i just got to a point where i'm like this is not the book for me because of the type of horror it's going for and like, I just didn't enjoy that. And I was like, okay, cool. But I wanted to try the show and to see what it was like. And the, the scene in the diner for those of you who mm. know the franchise, that was the one that got to me. And what I found really interesting is in the audio book, it was very almost slasher film, uh, body horror, gruesome graphic. And like, that's kind of what turned me off it. In the show, it seemed much more like a psychological horror. And Very I was really fascinated by how they did that change because I think it kept the spirit of the scene the same by doing that, but it worked a lot better for what they were going for. Like, I think they could have come in, done some sort of slasher based thing with a lot of bloods and, uh, blood and guts and gore and stuff but it wouldn't have felt the same way as I did when I was listening to the audiobook, And I got the same feeling, even though they did it in two very different ways. Yeah. And like, sometimes those scenes that are different from the books that are nothing like what was originally, there are the best scenes. Like one, probably my favorite or my second favorite wheel of time episode is episode four, which was nothing like the books. They absolutely changed that plot line. It, and it is one of the best episodes in the show. So let's hold uh, changes thoughts just for a little bit, but I wanted to, it's hard. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to go off what Alex said though, in that the books are still going to exist. Worst case, it's not good. And we're going to get an edition of Mistborn. If it's Mistborn with like Hollywood cast member with one of those uh, 
non-sticker stickers that I hate that's like now a major film or on streaming service and you know what the other there's probably going to be other editions that aren't going to be like that like that's the worst case otherwise the books are not affected here right what I get out of that is go buy your books now before they have those stupid stickers you can't take off you don't have to end up with one of those editions the worst though was for Sears Unfortunate Events they actually put those stickers on those books and when you peeled them off because they're the cheap ones you couldn't get the rest of them off and then they just put the covers and I was like I hate those because it's just a still from the show I, I can't tell which is worse, a sticker that does that or one of the things that are just printed on to look like a sticker, but absolutely aren't. Because I hate when it's like, it, I'll give you the, the third worst, is when it's a minimalist cover that's like just the logo of the, oh, the property. The is the absolute worst. I'll, I'll be controversial. I don't hate movie version covers. I think they're fine. It depends. There are some that are good, some that aren't. I, I don't mind the cast photo or something. I just really don't like the fake stickers. <laughs> like, it, it really bothers me. Like, if they were actual stickers that you could take off, I'm, that, I would be a lot more okay with that. But, yeah. It's, it's tough sometimes when they replace the sort of, like, reg, the regular covers mm. as, like, mm-hmm. what's available in bookstores, yeah. I think, yeah. is where a lot of people sort of get, they're like, yeah. I can't get the old covers anymore because everyone's stalking the the movie version, trying totally. to catch eyes on the yeah. shelves. Uh, so, so were we thinking Mistborn over Stormlight? For yeah, sure, yeah. It makes yeah. the most sense. Uh, Mistborn, yeah. out of Brandon's books in the Cosmere, it is probably written the most cinematically. Uh, like, out of all of Brandon's books, particularly the ones where you'd start the Cosmere, so, like, not Era 2, not the later book. Mistborn is written the most is written the most cinematically. Like Stormlight has some cinematic scenes that are incredible, but the story and the way it's laid out not cinematic at all. Mistborn is mm-hmm. Mistborn is probably the easiest to switch over to a screen, though obviously they're going to be changes and all that. Yeah, but Mistborn seems the one that they're going to turn to. Brandon has talked about it the most. Um, studios seem to be the most interested in it, if I'm remembering the whole rights thing at DMG. And yeah, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I mean, it's likely Mistborn. Just the thing with Mistborn as well is like Mistborn Era One is complete, so it is mm-hmm. easy or easier from that standpoint to go. Here is a complete story, and just give all three books to a studio or a TV studio i guess and go here is a complete story you don't have to wait for me to finish which is still kind of the case with stormlight even if there is like a kind of a soft end after book five and we know that's coming out soon it's still i think more of a risk than just getting everything up front but on top of that you can kind of go a little bit more granular with the final empire is kind of a story on its own and yes it leads on to a bigger story but he does kind of finish the final empire as like this is a complete package of this specific story and then everything continues on from there instead of being one big story like you get in stormlight like there's really no ending at the end of every book to say okay this book is done this book you can put on a shelf by itself like that doesn't work with stormlight whereas it does with mistborn so they can start with final empire and treat it like a single story and then keep going if it goes well but they don't have to necessarily keep going if it doesn't go well 
but it doesn't necessarily leave fans with the, well, you just dropped my TV show in like the middle of the story, which is happening with something I'm watching at the moment. And it's like, there's no resolutions, no endings. Like, I, I think they yeah. can get around that a little bit more with Mistborn. So like to add to that, cause that's a really good point is that for me, Stormlight has a really big buy-in power, meaning like you have to really be invested in it, like a Song of Ice and Fire in many ways compared to Mistborn, uh, where, you know, if we're looking at this by price, Mistborn will always be cheaper than Stormlight because Stormlight is over the top in the amount of budget that it would need, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, one of the things that are uh, kind of that brings in kind of like the, there's like a like a weariness a little bit with again I just bring Game of Thrones because it kind of derailed a lot of things with studios after Game of Thrones final dropped a whole bunch of projects because those books weren't finished, like uh, the King Killer Chronicles. That was going to get a show. Oh, right. And it's like, book three ain't out. We ain't, we're, we're dropping it. Showtime ain't doing it anymore. And Stormlight, at least luckily, has like a soft. It's like, okay, you can have the first rights to these five. And then uh, next five you can do. But Mistborn, you have that wonderful. It, it can work on its own. And it is a low risk compared to doing a Game of Thrones style show. Like, you know, we, we see this with like, they spent well over a billion dollars for Lord of the Rings in Wheel of Time at Amazon. And they're like, I don't know what to do with this. Uh, we'll do some changes and uh, we'll, we'll we'll put it yeah. out and make some money compared to the Cosmo, which hasn't had a adaptation. Before. And Brandon's talked about the potential of like what happens if you are still writing at the time that they want to start doing Stormlight. And if I remember his answer correctly, like he would be more in favor of just selling the rights to one to five and just giving that as a block and be like, no, I'm going to finish this before you get to number five instead of doing, okay, here's Stormlight one to 10. You got to wait 40 years for me to finish this. So you got to make it up as you go along. So he seemed more on that train as well. Uh, with Mistborn, you have year one, which you can do as a complete story. And then you have year two, because year two is finishing this year. You will have it as a complete story mm-hmm. by the time they get to that. When you like, take into account like production times and all that, people doing those adaptations will give Brandon the time to move ahead on your three and on stormlight which will make those adaptations more secure if they happen yeah and also from a adaption standpoint stormlight again it's like you have all these characters that are those you know there's a time skip and everything that is a huge commitment for actors like if that is going to be the next 10 to 20 years of your life compared to Mistborn where each era okay let's i'm going to devote four years to my life to playing this character and the next era, same thing. It keeps recycling. When it comes to Stormlight, that ante up can be really tricky at times because you're, you're probably going to have to start recasting people after a while. And the other aspect with Stormlight that I think Brandon's mentioned is like he wants to have some experience like doing some of this film stuff before doing Stormlight. And I think that's a really good idea. Like you probably don't want Brandon like he wants a lot more creative control and to be like a co-show runner and he'll he'll wait for the deal that he likes for sure. But I, I would probably like Mistborn to be the first one because Stormlight is is very high risk, right? Whereas a Mistborn film, if it's not great, Brandon will probably be like, this was a learning experience. We can do other stuff later. It's not the end of the world. Whereas if you have like a big Stormlight show, 
and it flops and you get one season, it's like, oh, that sucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same thing that happened with Percy Jackson and well, right. Aragon, apparently, now. Oh, Aragon they, they was really bad. Chance. Yeah. Aragon. Both of them were originally very bad, and they've got a second chance at Disney, and it looks like they're going, well, at least Percy Jackson, which I've been production is talking. Yeah. Um, it's going same. great. So, yeah. And that's also a different, interesting case because that's one that I kind of, I, I won't say that I know stuff about it, but I won't say that I do know stuff about it. I'm going to be very, oh, okay. very uh, But the way that I'll say is if you were to watch the series of unfortunate events adaptation and then watch Percy Jackson, what I will say is a lot of people that did that are now on that show because that is people like we like how this adaptation went very similar. We have the director, our, the directors, the writing room, the cast and crew really love this product. Most importantly, the person that wrote the books is going to be helping write the show and is going to be doing executive producing mm-hmm. and even help with the writing room. Like they will be there and do this stuff. They're doing the very similar thing to Percy Jackson where yes. everyone's involved and everyone really likes that project like to its core that that is yeah, the best case scenario that we have producers who really like the stuff the executives on the other hand can always be a different story but hey well i, I could talk about this through experience is that what makes oh make and break a good show is not the writer the director the showrunner it is the producers and the executive producer if the pro- executive producer is like i don't like this you're going to be making changes it's kind of a hierarchy because they're the ones like I write the checks. Mm-hmm. If you have someone that's really passionate, a lot of wonderful things will happen. That's why there could be murky waters for the Wheel of Time and the Lord of the Rings show is because the person's like, I see this as a fantasy show. Make it fantasy. Make it what people like compared to I like this. Yeah. I want this to my kids like this. So I don't want to be in the don't F it up committee. <laughs> Right. Do do we want to go into talking about some studios? Because Brandon did say he's had talks with probably every streaming service. So it's like, oh, okay, and maybe film studios as well. So do do we want? I want to go getting Suda's perspective on studios. Yeah, yeah. This. So so speaking of that, do you, do you have some insight onto you know what what studio? Uh, the Cosmere and these adaptations should go to because that's that's definitely a topic. Yeah, I uh, I have uh, plenty of thoughts about this, and okay. this is just from a uh, business perspective. I will say right now, uh, doing production work, being a producer, because I've done some producing work, is uh, normally, and Brandon's talked about this quite a lot. Normally, how people pitch projects is the reverse, is how it's the a creator, the author, or someone is like, I have this project studios, let's do it. And I will, uh, what's the best way to put it? Solicit my project in right. many ways. I'm going to put it on a pedestal. This is the world's greatest thing. And I'm sitting behind the desk. I'm like, this costs too much money. This It's not been proven. And I'm sure Brandon's heard that for many years and years. And that's why things like when the rights go to this place, it just sits there until it comes back. And COVID did a lot of putting rights back to people. But then something happened, and that would be the Kickstarter. And when you make yes. a lot of money, and you're like, who is this person that has made <laughs> basically a budget's worth, and they don't have an adaptation? Suddenly, the perspective yeah. switches, where when he started talking about companies started coming to me, 
that is like we want this because you are going to make us a whole lot of gosh darn money <laughs> and we whatever you want we will give you because we want this and that is mm -hmm. when this happens when this flip happens you are in the best position possible and brandon I love when he talks about oh, Hollywood does not know what to do with a man that doesn't, have, doesn't want money. And it's funny because I've been in that situation before where when someone has a lot of money and they don't want anything, you're like, uh, what do you want? Do you want like a chopper? Do you want to go to like Miami? Like, what, what, what would you like in the situation? Do you want a private <laughs> island here? It's like Brandon already has the evil villain layer. Like, what yeah, can he you does. do? Like, but uh, yeah. so looking at this is that every major streaming service and movie company, all well, major movie companies now, streaming services, they are going out and almost doing like spec. They're making their own versions and then submitting it to Brandon. They're going, they're, they're flying them out or I guess zooming him and being like, this is the project. This is who we have. This is the team. We could be filming this next week. Right. <laughs> and within a lot of things, if I were to guess the, the two major ones I would do, because they are doing a total buyout of the Cosmere, not just one property. What I mean by this is they're buying all the rights to the Cosmere compared to Percy Jackson, where Disney mm -hmm. already owned the rights to Percy Jackson. Cause it was under uh, Disney Hyperion, the publishing yeah. company. Uh, they they gave the rights to Fox because of the Chronicles of Narnia because that movie bombed into oblivion and like we're not doing this again and we'll give them Aragon too. Um, Went great. Yeah, it's great. And then you you get those adaptations, but now they're in a situation where whoever's going to buy it, it's going to be a lot of money. Like we're, it, it, yeah. I won't I won't say it's Star Wars money, but it will be a a lot of money. So when we look at this, the first one that I can knock out is HBO Max or H, you know, Warner Brothers slash Discovery because they don't have any money right now. Like, <laughs> clearly, um, hey, clearly, if you've I, been reading the news. <laughs> yeah, uh, they don't have enough. I'll, I'll put this because I know this for certain. They're only going to be releasing two movie, movies this year, Black Adam and another movie because they have no money. They literally oh, wow. have no money to release other movies. That's uh, that's what their strategy is. So they're going through a restructuring and I don't see them buying a Cosmere thing if they're not going to do anything. Plus, they're switching their kind of demographic a little bit. They don't want to do Game of Thrones. They're not looking for younger people. They're looking for people in their 40s and their 50s to watch stuff. And I don't see uh, my mom watching the Cosmere. Uh, I mean, she could, but it, that's not her cup of tea. Uh, then we get into other things like Disney. Uh, that one's a hard one. They have the mm -hmm. capital. But at the same time, <laughs> the problem is... is uh, Brandon, all he wants is I want control. I want to do this, this, and this. And Disney's like, um, we want control. No, all of we like control. We like yeah. And uh, oh, the thing oh. with Disney here and the control thing. I mean, they've given that control to Rick Riordan, and I keep bringing this up because yeah. it's the best case scenario. But they haven't given control to anyone else like that. Well, um, so here's here's the difference. Even with though. their ginormous properties. So here's the difference, though. Is again, um, Percy Jackson has always been a Disney product. And mm -hmm. when Percy Jackson, like you can go up to a lot of people and say Percy Jackson, like, oh, I know what that is. You go up to someone, what is Elantris? And they'll be like, what? <laughs> you suddenly have all this power because you know that it, it could be gen uh, generational. So mm -hmm. Disney's one of them. The other one is Netflix because, well, uh, they don't, when Stranger Things goes bye-bye, they, they, they are in a situation where we do not have a flagship show anymore. We did it with The Witcher. 
uh, but they're having production problems because of locations, I will say, and uh, where, where they film and current uh, political issues in uh, <laughs> Ukraine. You know, As, the, the, the war. Yeah. The war. <laughs> the war. The war, yeah. And they don't, like, production of that slowed. And I would say they'd be like, please make us stuff. They still own the rights to the Chronicles of Narnia, and they've done what? nothing with it. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. What? Yeah, they own the rights to the Chronicles of Narnia. They bought that for a lot of money, and there's nothing. They've had it for several years. Netflix is concerning to me because they do have a mm. tendency to do a season or two and then just be like, yeah. so no, Here's the thing is when it comes to that is they have a really weird model of determining. They, they don't show their analytics like a lot of uh, studios with streaming because they they it's not written into like a law or something like it's not like for television. There's this thing called the uh, Nielsen. Nielsen? Yeah, yeah, Nielsen. The Nielsen. Oh, yeah, the yeah. Nielsen ratings. Yeah. yeah, the Nielsen ratings. So you have to show that publicly to show things. For streaming, you don't have to do that. Uh, technically, what was it? The, the, technically, for the longest time, the highest. Um, oh, this is all alleged, okay? Because this is lawyer. <laughs> is for the longest time, you know how you would get auto ads? Like you would put something on, it would just auto generate. Uh huh. You start watching. They would consider that a click. Oh. <laughs> So they would oh. allegedly their numbers for things would be different. Uh, but uh, we, we'll, we'll see when it comes to that. Uh, Apple TV. I, I don't watch Apple TV, so I, I don't have any. I love uh, Severance. Severance is great. But yeah, we watched the first episode of Foundation and it was very pretty. Like it, it was definitely high budget. I And I do want to watch it. I just haven't had time. So. Maybe not a good sign when you watch the first one and not any of the other ones, but hey. I'd be shocked if it was like the Roku channel. Or like yeah. Tubi. Oh I don't oh think man. they have money to do that. So yeah. I, I, what's what's yeah. the YouTube yeah. uh, one called? Oh, YouTube Premium? <laughs> oh no, it used to be called oh, YouTube, uh, Red. YouTube Red. It used to be called YouTube They're Red for the longest time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they were they, they that real do, quick. They don't do yeah. uh, shows now. Like they don't do their own. Yeah, they oh. used to, but they they, they don't to. anymore. That's where uh, Cobra Kai came from. Yeah, yeah. Now Netflix has it. Yeah, because yeah. I remember back in the, oh, I'm just devolving. Is back in the day they get a bunch of YouTubers to make movies that were terrible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. the YouTube Red stuff. That's how oh, they would pay for it. Oh, there was a Maximum Ride movie I heard about. That yeah, there was oh, a yeah. Big I started watching and that and uh, yeah, I didn't get very far. Oh yeah, there was a Maximum Ride one. I mean, and, well, there's also an Artemis Fowl one. Oh, oh. Yeah, that one's really bad. <laughs> that was, was that YouTube Disney though? One? That was a Disney one. That, that was, was a Disney. Disney. That was Disney. Well, no, Artemis Fowl was Disney, and it was terrible. Fun fact: they were, that was the second time of making an Artemis Fowl movie. The first time. They were on oh. set, ready to go, and they said, "Nope, wrap it up, everyone, and we're going home. We lost the money." Wow. wow. There, there's a lot that can go wrong in production, even if a deal's signed, I think. Like, there's a lot. I will say the, the film industry is held together with rubber bands <laughs> and, like, lukewarm glue. <laughs> Things fall apart last minute reason. all the time. Yeah. Okay. So maybe uh, we don't need to worry too much. Maybe no, it's a long I, way away, but hey. If I were to put money on it, I would say Netflix because the way that Brandon talks about Arcane and talks about Netflix, he's kind of showing his Arcane's hand a little bit. Pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I really yeah. like Shadow and Bone. Like Shadow, they did a good job with Shadow and Bone. Yeah, uh, I really like Shadow and Bone. Oh, I didn't talk about Amazon. Yeah, Amazon. Oh, I would Amazon. say no to because not from a 
any reason other than they already have two of the biggest <laughs> fantasy properties of all time. I don't think they're looking for much. another one. Like, why would you? Like, there's no, no. reason for that. Yeah. They, they spent well over a billion dollars for Lord of the Rings. It's like, do we need another one? Uh, to spend that much money on? No. 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 It, yeah, yeah, I don't think they'd want to cannibalize into the Wheel of Time yeah. property either. Yeah. So. Yeah, the Wheel yeah, of Time I mean, is already so close to Brandon that I, I would that say would also create problems. from a control standpoint, because Brandon has had experiences with them. I don't know anything yeah. about this, but I would imagine from the reception that he would he, he has talked about, he'd be like, I don't want to work for Amazon. I'd rather work for one that might treat my property with respect. And so far... Netflix would be the best one because they did again series unfortunate events I believe is the gold standard for this like they did everything that Brandon wanted and they gave them money and they literally gave the guy that wanted to direct the movie a second chance to do it oh really yeah they gave uh, Barry Sonnenfeld he was originally supposed to direct the series unfortunate events and uh, Daniel Handler Lemony Snicket was writing wrote the script and they said no we hate this you guys both leave and then they wow. use the script for that movie for the show. Oh, okay. And and I think uh, I know Lee Bardugo who wrote Shadow and Bone and the Grisha mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, she's the she's, executive producer and she's yeah. like a co-showrunner. Yeah, uh, yeah I, from what I hear, she was very pleased uh, with how that went uh, on that's Netflix. So yeah, that's what I've I understood am... too. She was in the show; like she had a cameo. Oh, she had yeah, a ton of control yeah. over. Cute how that went so yeah i am really oh sorry no netflix is the only one brandon has mentioned by name Mm. as a studio so i mean yeah just saying i'm really liking that we are moving into this era where studios are involving the writer of the books like Mm -hmm. pretty heavily in the actual creation of the show or the movie or whatever it is because personally i think that's probably going to make a better product in the end and if the writer of the book is happy then i think that's probably going to help a lot of fans feel better about things if there are changes like with the shadow and burn changes putting in the crows with a, an original storyline pretty much everyone i've talked to are like that's the best part of the show and like i really enjoyed that show because of it so i, I i'm just really glad that we've kind of shifted to including the original writer yeah. in the production of these things instead of just kind of selling the rights on somebody else makes it and it is what it is completely separate to the original uh product and the original um ideas of the writer of the books yeah and i think a lot of it actually has to do with george r, r. martin in many ways because mm-hmm. he, originally he was a screenwriter he wrote tv stuff and they said we can't film any of your stuff so he decided to write a song of ice and fire. This is going to be unfilmable. No one's going to be able to do this. And then they asked him to do it. And then he started working with it and it became really good. Cause he was a person that understood the medium that he was writing in and having to adapt mm. in many ways. And then a lot of studios were like, Hey, this is good. We like the idea of having the face of our thing being the author. Cause authors are now personalities when it used to be the exact opposite in many ways where I guess Harry Potter would have done that too, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Harry Potter and uh, George R. R. Martin. Yeah, those are the big ones. Yeah. Where where you do, and uh, you you have like these larger than life people. Like Brandon at times can be a larger than life person just because, you know, he can, 
you know, typewriter go burr. At times. <laughs> oh yeah. But, uh, where where yeah. are some B money glasses? You know, yeah. That's oh, what yeah, we need. <laughs> when he when he when he's like, I'm gonna I'm doing Cosmere, but I'm also gonna do my magic movie. I think part of it comes back to, um, and I say this like from an unexpert perspective, mm-hmm. but whether or not the the studios are seeing a property as like this is an idea that we're gonna take and try to market to a general audience versus this is an idea that has a fan base that we want to tap into. And I think that probably Brandon's Kickstarter success and the reason he's being, he's talked about like being approached by studios is they're seeing the Cosmere fandom is a marketable audience. And therefore we're going to see success if we create an adaptation that the fans are going to want to invest in, as opposed to we need to take this little niche thing and make it, broad to pull in people who've a bunch of people who've never heard of this i think also like i have one more point i'm sure before like we got to move on is that i think one of the most important things people kind of forget in the last 20 years the perception of fantasy has changed in many ways like it isn't like when i started playing D &D and like liking fantasy like that was still kind of like a negative connotation yeah like oh you like lord of the rings it's just elves magic and wizard and stuff but now we live in an age where game of thrones makes dragons cool and scary or you can have a dungeons and dragons movie where it's not high fantasy you don't have to hear the yees and the yos and the these and the thous you can you can have fantasy and i think brandon has an amazing job when it comes to all his fantasy worlds are not the same and they're not stereotypical so you can get a giant wider audience. And I think a lot of studios like that because it people can get their heads around fantasy in different ways, but it isn't Lord of the Rings. It isn't like Wheel of Time. It isn't even like Percy Jackson, the sense of like urban fantasy in many ways. Whereas the Cosmere, you can do a lot of different genres into a studio. They love that's why Marvel movies, each one feel, you know, they're all pretty much the same. They all <laughs> only feel different. <laughs> In many ways, like you're not, you can watch an Ant Man movie and then go right into like Infinity War. And like, what this is completely different, right? And you, you don't get that fatigue, which I, I really like. And I think Netflix would be the best option, I would imagine. But that is also because they're going through a lot of not having subscribers and they need something because in like two years, Stranger Things goes bye bye and they Just don't take have that a fancy notice money in like. Here. yeah yeah <laughs> and every time they've done an adaptation for a book it's been really good like i love the series unfortunate events I, I keep bringing it up because i think that's the gold standard of how to do an adaptation correctly when you, you i've really, heard really great things from fans about that like people who love the books love that show yes and this is one where actually uh, i'll bring this up and then we can go is that uh pretty much like um brandon wants to do like we're gonna readapt uh daniel handler slash let me snick it it's like my books don't work on a on a visual level because when i started writing them i didn't have a plan so i had to write a plan halfway through so he's like i'm gonna start adding things to make the plot go faster and that's what he wanted to do with the movie but Nickelodeon's like, we want that Harry Potter money, so we're going to put four of them together, or three of them together, and so long. And there's like, we're just going to do what, what you did with the books, because that's going to work, rather than giving them a second chance and adapting it. Because when you have, 
you, you can't adapt a movie or a, a book into a movie without changes. It's an impossibility without some changes. And that could be an important thing. I just wanted to add on to what Zach was saying about the movies and stuff that have been coming out and the changes in how we think of fantasy. A lot of the stuff that's coming out is also now targeted towards adults and it's not just being pushed towards children, mm-hmm. which was the case for a while in a lot of different spaces. It's like, Oh, this stuff's for kids. This stuff's for teenagers. It's not for adults. Adults don't want to watch this. Whereas things like game of Thrones is, 100% for adults and not for children. Even something like the, the Lemony Snicket show, like that was like the movie was pushed for kids. Like I remember watching it. As I remember a kid. watching it. Yeah. And it was, it was being advertised towards people in my age bracket. The show is getting a lot of people who are like 20, 25 and up because like partly nostalgia of the books, but like, they didn't specifically try and hit like that 12 to 16 range. Like they knew that they had an audience who were of an older age and there is more of a shift that way as well. Talk about changes because this, this is, this is really important because I want to emphasize changes will happen. It has to happen. They cannot be blow by blows of the books. And if they did, it would probably be bad. So I want to blab about Brandon's uh, adaptation philosophy because he has been talking about the Mistborn film. Uh, and so we, we do have a wob. Uh, and so Brandon said, this is uh, last November, so November 2021 and references Wheel of Time. So I've come to the mindset that there are two general ways to approach adaptation. One is to try to be very faithful to the actual te- text and the other is to redo almost the entire thing for the new medium while trying to keep the soul of it the same. I've actually written treatments of Mistborn that do both of these. As an exercise, I did one more recently for the screen where I threw out every scene from the book and asked myself if I were doing what was absolutely best for a film but telling the same story, how would I have written this? That treatment for that screenplay was very different from the book while at the same time still being the book. Same soul, same character, same uh, basic plot beats, but no actual scenes uh, from the book except uh, Vin and Ellen on the balcony. Everything was approaching the story from a cinematic viewpoint, and I found in a lot of cases this new treatment was stronger. There is, of course, a continuum between these extremes, but it taught me a lot about adaptation. And the Wheel of Time I saw tonight was absolutely worthy to be called the Wheel of Time, even though a lot of the scenes were new. My perspective is perhaps skewed by my experience. Uh, I tend to be someone who likes seeing film and television adaptations do new things. That doesn't prevent me from, as a producer on this warning rafe of places where I think the fans will prefer he stay closer to the source material. Indeed, there are a lot of places where I prefer that he did. But it does let me appreciate what he's doing and how well it works. And a part of me likes that I can go and treat this as something new rather than just a clone of something I've already read two dozen times. Like, bringing up the Tool of Time example specifically, there was an adaptation, kind of, that went blow by blow, line by line, of the prologue of the Eye of the World. That was Winter Dragon. All the fans hated it because it was blow by blow. And there were so many things that, like, yes, it was low budget and it came out in the middle of the night that nobody knew about it. But the lines were essentially the same and it wasn't fun. You didn't get the same 
like tone Robert Jordan was going for with a prologue to the eye of the world in terms of like figuring out what's going on of not knowing like what's happening and what's going on with Lucerin. I don't want to get into too many spoilers, but it went line by line and it didn't work. And even like with the fan edit, the dusty wheel did recently, which is much more beloved by fans. There are still problems with it, and that took more liberties in changing things, in making it more concise, making it work for the screen, because that's what their purpose was going into it. Like, let's get take this original product and let's make it work for the screen from, well, Taylor, who studied, like, filmmaking and all that. And they did it, and people enjoyed that one a lot more. But the original one, everyone hated it, and it was blow by blow of the prologue. So how about we talk about what is important in a Cosmere adaptation? I think for me, um, what excites me about like in terms of changes for an adaptation is actually just Brandon's involvement. And I'm glad that that's something that he's been sort of adamant about wanting when he's looking at deals and such. Um, I wonder almost if it's like the beta reader perspective of like... (laughs) I'm used to seeing a Brandon work once and then seeing it after Brandon's like taken some time away and done it again and it gets better. And I kind of like the idea Mm -hmm. that like an adaptation could be a way to do that again. Like it's why I'm so excited about it. The changes he talks about for Mistborn. I'm like, yeah, every time Brandon revisits something that he already wrote, it gets cooler and more interesting. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of like I'm ready to let an adaptation stand on its own. I'm okay for them to change like a lot of stuff. That's maybe like a controversial thing, but it's about vibes for me. I just want it to have the vibes. If it's got vibes, I'm happy. That's that's where I am. The vibe is the important part for you. Uh, mm-hmm. What what like like if there's changes, like what do we need to keep? Like what's what's the most important? Thing. Or like may- maybe not what's important to keep, but what's what's the most Im- what are the s- important things that we need so that we'd like it and not hate it? I would say the soul or the spirit of it. Mm-hmm. I think kind of <laughs> as long as you have kind of because the way that I look at Brandon's work is two ways. It can be funny, it can be goofy, but it can also be serious. And if it goes too much into funny, it can be bad. If it goes too much into dreary, it can also be bad. It's like trying to find that nice healthy balance where it's. It's like the spirit of fantasy in many ways where you can do a lot of crazy, insane things. But at the end of the day, it's like um, people with problems. That's why I love with fantasy. You can like have the personification of like emotions or magic yeah. systems where it's just the in the end of the day, you're still dealing with humans with magical or fantastical things are happening to them. And how do they react in many ways? And I think that's what yeah. the Cosmere does really well in kind of having that spirit. Of everything, you can be whimsical, you can be serious, you can be funny, but getting that right balance is the most important. Yeah, and on that philosophical side for me, I think it's like what makes the Cosmere unique. Because a lot of the fantasy we've seen, particularly with adaptations, and I think we'll get into this later, it's the stereotypical high fantasy, I mean, Lord of the Rings. Like, even with Game of Thrones, it's not... I mean, yes, it is fantasy. But the fantasy is very understated. And yeah, it has dragons and all that. But they don't have to go all in on the magic. The Wheel of Time has started doing that. But it's not so evident in the first couple of books. We're not to that point yet. 
we will get to that point with season three when we get to uh, the adaptation of Shadow Rising. But we're not there yet. The Cosmere always is there. It's the magic systems, it's the worlds, it's what makes the Cosmere different from so many other fantasy properties. And particularly the ones that have been turned into adaptations. There's nothing like the Cosmere out there. And I think that that's important for the success of the show, but also to keep that spirit, to not turn it into the stereotypical fantasy that we've seen so much of. For me, I think Brandon's characters have such like uh, interesting and their, their internal like struggles are so important to them. And I think that's one thing that's going to be really interesting to see translate on screen because we don't, when we're on screen, we won't get like the internal monologues of how these characters are thinking and reacting to things. You know, we're not going to get that kind of like internal reveals. Like if we're talking about Stormlight, we're not going to get those hints in Shalon's thoughts that maybe her past isn't what it seems. And so I think, um, Finding a way to translate some of maybe those internal struggles into something a little bit more, you know, that the audience can see and follow their journey on screen will be interesting. And I also think that's one thing where having really good actors is probably going to help a lot, like showcase what they're feeling and thinking, you know, through their body and their face, which is one change that I think is really uh, exciting to me is like, yeah, we're not going to get as much explicit, like, internal monologuing about what's going on, but just, you know, in a book, we can't really see the facial expressions, we can't see the subtle movements and mannerisms that betray what these people are thinking, which is one thing that I think could be really cool to see on screen. I think in terms of things that, like, we need to keep, um, or rather, I would even frame it, things that don't need to be changed would be, for me the climax moments, the like the starts of avalanches, which I think we we've all sort of seen Brandon's writing style when he's in a climax tends to go much more cinematic. It's quick cuts, it's mm -hmm. point of view changes, it's very rapid. And I think those are the moments that like, not only are fans going to want to have that moment as it was, but also I think it will work well in shows. I mean, you're talking about like, Kelsier's sacrifice in the, the fountain square. You're talking about the betrayal at the tower. You're talking about the battle of Thalen field, like mm -hmm. those really huge, I think the cinematography and the cinematic moment of it is already there in the books. I don't think you would need a lot of, yeah, the details are going to need to be different, but the impact, I think you could get a lot of that in a TV show or a movie without needing to rework a lot of it. Also to add to that, I think how Brandon's writing style is compared to, other people's is again he is an outliner and from a production standpoint that is really good because he has a definite beginning middle and end and because of that he actually i would consider him a really good television writer because he can string these plot threads around to when the reason why we earn like these you know these sanderland shows is because all the pieces come into place and when has it been like when you watch a tv show or like a, a good murder mystery where everything starts to click either through editing or through the story and Brandon's really good at that. So a lot of, like, a lot of his plots will translate really well is because there's a definite through line and you can add those red herrings. You can add those, I, I'd say like, I'm talking about this as if this is a mystery, 
but you can you have those elements and having that spirit in many ways oh man that it, it, sandra lanches are gonna hit so well cinematically oh, that it, people are gonna love it even more it's going to be oh like the battle of thalen field mm, i in my head i think of it as a movie mm-hmm. and it's yeah. a whole yeah. episode it's yeah. a whole episode it's a whole episode yeah, yeah. I, I mean <laughs> how many of us that was like a moment that we got into the Cosmere. Like, I know a lot of us are have stayed and uh, because of a lot of the like, oh yeah, I, re- I like romantics or I like the character theory or I like the theories or things like that. But how many of us like the moment you decided you loved this book was a Sander Lanch moment where you're like, yeah, this is this is cool. I want to read more. I want this feeling again. Like, Kelsey or died, but awesome. it was it was for this greater plan of like, oh, it's so good. <laughs> oh. yeah. I've, I've uh, talked a little bit about it before, but I think that's why like I have such strong feelings about Kelsier because Kelsier's sacrifice was that moment for me. That was the time yeah. where I was like, I have to read the rest of these. That was where I was hooked. Yeah, that was definitely the point for me as well. Uh, Like, because Final Empire was also my first book, and like I I still remember that date very vividly. Um, But yeah, mine was Elantris's Sander Lanch. Like, for me, it was Oathbringer. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like all down our stuff (laughs) at the end. Oh man, like I'm thinking of this cinematically. That's where you would either end the episode, or that's where everything like it's oh, quiet yeah. is when he yells. Like, right, you right, have yeah. the pain, mm. and then that's where you would either end the episode, or oh, that's where that's so where the, mean. all the big stuff starts to happen. Oh, it's so good. That'd be so a good. great cliffhanger for yeah. an episode. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. there's plenty of them. Like uh, Rhythm of War, you would have the ending of the episode would be counted and jumping. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Like, that would actually like, probably work a lot better on screen, I think, that moment. Actually, kind of would. Um, I wanted, I have three things that I think are important, and it is this order. I want a good story. It needs to work. That yes. is number one, the most important thing. Two, less important than number one of it being good is spirit of the world like the the feel of it like it feels mistborn it feels stormlight and and, and honestly number th- three like the the details are not as important as those other two things uh i i would definitely agree like those sander Lanch moments are extremely important and if they weren't there in spirit i would be very upset but like it being good and working on its own is the most important thing because they most people aren't going to have read the books first, even though these are very popular. Like, that's just how it's going to be. And I feel like with a lot of the Sandalanch moments, at least for me, it is more about, like, the emotions that they evoked in me and, like, that feeling that I got from the book. So if it still is able to give me that feeling and, like, some details are different, then I'm probably not going to be upset about that if it's not, like completely the same in the sandalanch but it it just need, it needs to evoke the same feeling mm-hmm. that you get when reading it mm-hmm. and i think what's going to be very interesting knowing that like brandon himself is an outliner and the advantage of having a finished series in the case of mistborn is the way they can do the foreshadowing because mm-hmm. i mean that was masterfully done in the wheel of time there is so much that i'm not going to get into yeah like even for the end of the series, like how are they going to do that in the in Cosmere adaptations? 
in a way mm-hmm. that it much more directly builds up to the Sander Lange, mm-hmm. which is something oh. that we've all agreed that is going to be really important in terms of emotions, in terms of feelings, in terms of getting people hooked. Yeah. I think that that's going to be really cool to see it like in a visual moment because yes, the epigraphs are there in the books and things like that, but sometimes visual foreshadowing is a lot subtler. Um, yes. I would point to specific moments in the middle of time, but I'm not going to do that yeah, because don't. spoilers. <laughs> yep. Uh, but you can ask me on the Discord and I'll tell you what I'm sure. thinking of. Mm. And yeah. it can be so subtle. And I think that that feeling of when it all comes together, like when everything clicks and you're like, oh my God, this has been going on in the background the whole time. I did not realize this was happening. And now everything makes sense. And just that rush of emotions coupling like with uh, the cinematic style, the cut in like POVs, all the action. And those realizations and the revelations that come with the Sander Lanch, it's going to be super powerful. Can I go on to what's not important and just pose that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So what is not important to you in a Cosmere adaptation? Uh, oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to start off and say something perhaps controversial. Do it. Uh, Let's do it. Cameos. I oh, yeah. I yeah. don't care necessarily if Hoy doesn't pop up in Mistborn Era 1 because they know they want to do it later and they haven't found an actor and or even just like if if they start doing Stormlight and they need to give Vasher's role to someone else if it's not and then they have to like maybe he's important for something in the future of the Cosmere and they have to change that later but I'm I'm fine with cutting out those cameos if that's what they need to do kind of on a similar front um speaking of hot takes i think uh something that's not uh important for me in a cosmere adaptation is the cosmere um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um and I'm, I'm stealing a bit from i think we have this as a question but i think especially we've talked about mistborn a lot um you can tell that like brandon's philosophy on sort of the shared universe has changed um but i think especially if you're adapting those early works I don't think it's really necessary to get into like, there's 16 shards and there's other worlds Mm. and there's romantic theories. I think a lot of those will stand stronger on their own. I think when you start getting into something like Stormlight, um, you you know, we we can all talk about how much cross-pollination there is in the Stormlight series these days. But I think especially like studios Mm. are not necessarily looking to buy into an MCU. Um, the Cosmere is a bit of an MCU at this point. That's not, maybe we could get there someday if it's super exciting, but I think you're going to want to start with something self-contained. You're not necessarily going to want to try to tie things in to possible sequels and sister series down the line. You're going to run into trouble if you try to leave too many threads hoping to be able to tie them to something later. I mean, that's something Brandon himself has talked about with the books, right? Like, I have been listening for a while that the gloves are off in the Cosmere. uh, Like, even like, like before Rhythm of War, but the early books there are barely any cameos. So like, yes, they're there because you can do that in a book because that's easy production. Why mm-hmm. Just write in a line in a TV show that doesn't work. But even in the early books, Brandon wanted them to be self-contained. Brandon wanted people to start with any of them that they wanted as long as it wasn't like in the middle of a series. 
and be able to enjoy it and not have to get any of this like larger world. And that's part of the reason the Cosmere is so intimidating. There is so much and you have to know so much. And with these early properties, that wasn't a problem. It's growing to be more of a problem nowadays, like post Rhythm of War with mm-hmm. the amount of connections we have in the TV show where e- even production makes it harder to do. You don't know how this is going to pan out. It, it's not necessary. And also, like, from a right standpoint, that can be a mess. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, <laughs> this is Percy Jackson. Percy Jackson, uh, yes. Yeah. I was going to say that. Chronicles is by Chron- it's at Netflix. Netflix. You can't do a... Well, I'm not sure if it's a spoiler. You 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 could uh, potentially not do a crossover, but I, they didn't say anything about his other series, like Magnus Chase and all those. Yeah, Magnus... They never, they never talked about... Q&A who and about that the other day. Um, he said it's going to be impossible to do a crossover with Kane, which exists in the books. There's a miniseries. Yeah, there is. There is. With both series of characters. The first time I read That's it, it be my mind. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's yeah. just going to be really difficult if things get sold but, to different and places. They and haven't might... sold Magnus, I think, no. because Magnus is much closely connected to yeah. mm-hmm. PJO. I, yeah, yeah. I think Brandon himself is very aware of this because, like we said, he already did this sort of strategy with the books of like, keep it subtle, make them stand alone, ramp it up if people are interested. And we've seen mm. that. I think the fandom needs to be prepared that we got to go back to square one because yeah, we're in a right, different medium. Right. Yeah. If you're wanting the Cosmere for like whatever the first TV and movie show is, I don't I don't think it's very likely that we're going to get like Cosmere branding because I don't think studios are going to go for that. Like, expect things to be self-contained. If it's successful mm-hmm. and we get to expand, awesome. But probably so, not right yeah. out the gate. And I think that also goes into the do not gatekeep it to new like show fans. The new show fans, many of them are not going to know about the Cosmere. They're not going to know about these things. Like, even if they do like a small like cameo, and even it doesn't have to be like a character cameo, but it can be a line of maybe referencing romantics or whatever. They're not going to notice. And there yeah. are going to be lots of places that are going to want to capitalize on the things you didn't know about yeah. the Cosmere. Things about you missed. About... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. that can make people like feel left out, I think. Because they're like, well, I can never get fully into it because I don't know all these things. Mm, right. And as fans, we have to like keep that in mind, not be gatekeepy. And yeah. like Feather said, go back to square one. Yep. Well, also the problem is when it comes to this is people forget that a lot of media stuff you're making it for a general audience. That is most communities don't even make up a percent really of like the media that is consumed for that project, but you need to make it for mom and dad and grandma and grandpa if they want to watch too. And having a slow ramp up does really help. And it's like one of those things like you don't want to, gatekeep people because it's like i read them and then something changes like i don't know anything about this this is not the thing that i like and then you get into that problem again of people like deteriorating into like savage goblins yeah and And that's like that that's part of the reason that we when this ever happens like we want to set up like on the discord we'll have a show only channel but there will be somewhere where you can compare things and we did this with wheel of time as well because it's fun right like if you were a book fan and you're like that's hoid or that's 
some other person. Oh, hey, look, look at that Easter egg about a shard. That is fun to point out to people. But yeah, like if you're not into the books already, you don't know these things. And yeah, it can make you feel left out. And the way we at least try to do it with Wheel of Time is like have a place for both sets of people where people can just talk about the show who only know about the show and they don't need to know all of the other things in the books and all of the Easter eggs that were in the show or in the movie, yeah. but it's, it's fun to point those out to people. So like, let's have another place mm-hmm. where we can do that and cater to both crowds and not necessarily yeah. just one. And, and like oh, with the changes uh, thing, like we're going to be in for surprises too, as people who know the books, it's going to be a whole new experience happened with the wheel of time there are things that we were really surprised by even the people who production stocked the whole thing and in new sets new places they got surprised by a lot of things so can i talk about a thing that i find not to be important uh in an adaptation yeah superficial character details agree like about physical appearance if vin is not as short as her book description. I don't know if that matters very much. Like, it doesn't. Capitalist Moraine, it's fine. It, well, uh, some people would disagree, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't care. Like, oh, yeah. e- even if, like, you cast Vin as black, she's, she's described as pale. Is that a problem? I don't really care. I think I want her to embody the essence of Vin. Does it matter if Kelsey is blonde? No. Doesn't matter if Shalon's hair is red. I would be a l- more sad if Shalon's hair is red. I'm very f- uh, fond of redheads. Uh, you, you know, uh, <laughs> my darling wife here. Uh, but her hair doesn't need to be red. That That's not a thing that is essential to me. Uh, like that doesn't matter really like the the essence and feel of the character matters there's an example that i've seen come up a couple of times with people talking about adaptations recently of having like dwayne the rock johnson play rock in a stormlight thing um which i actually think he would make a pretty good actor for rock like i think he could pull that off quite well uh but the the issue that then comes up is like well can he pull off rock's beard and like the fact that he has bright orange hair and honestly i'd prefer that they just change the hair than mm-hmm. change the actor like it i think he would work really well like i i don't think the hair features um matter that much in the scheme of things like i know there's a little bit of how it ties into the plot but i feel like they could tie that in another way so it, i like i i agreed like really mm-hmm. the way the actors look matters less than whether they embody the character and can do the character well. Now, yeah. I, I would say, like, Alethi should, you know, yes. be Asian, but, like, Kaladin can be a little less tall. <laughs> like, right? like a, that's not... <laughs> if if, if yeah. Kaladin like, has a shorter hair... Foot, isn't he? He's, like, really, really tall. He's tall, yeah. If Kaladin has a shorter haircut that is both more practical for fighting and for flying in the air with the wind <laughs> whipping around his head, <laughs> that is totally fine. That, yeah. Like, short-haired yeah. Kaladin. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it is weird because we're in a fandom that has a lot of fan art. And so, like, it, it, blonde Kelsier, long hair Kaladin, like, these these are things that we, we see a lot. But, like, I... I just don't think that matters like that. Now, on the other hand, if 
there's a cast member who does not embody the character. Like, Kelsier's got to be really charismatic. And if you have someone who's not charismatic, bad casting. And I'll be like, no, that sucks. That's not Kelsier. Uh, But like, I I have, I I tried to think of one of, just like a crazy change uh, that they could do in casting. And I was just like thinking of like, what if they made Kelsier female? I would be like, whoa, that's a change. I I don't know about that. But at the same time, you'd have to really sell that because that's that would be a lot. But like you still need very charismatic Kelsier. And like that could theoretically work, though that could change Vin and Kelsier's relationship. And so there's issues with that. But like inherently, like something like that, is not inherently bad. And in fact, you know, uh, Brandon's like, ah, we should change Doc, uh, Ham and Docs to be female. And I'm like, I, I think that's a good call. Uh, if they did that with Kelsier, that would be like, that would definitely be an emotional thing. We're like, oh, that's, that's definitely a big change. I don't know about that. You know, there's definitely like a threshold. That's like one of those things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's a and masculine arrogance to Kelsier that, that I think would maybe yeah. could very easily veer girl bossy if you oh. had a female mm, character. Yeah. And I don't know that I would approve of that change. But. I'm not saying this should happen. I was just trying to think of something crazy as a, as a hypothetical here, to be clear. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely hope in a case like that, or like th- there's something Eric and I were talking about earlier as well about a change that the people making it know that the onus is on them to sell this change because mm-hmm. it is that dramatic compared to the original text um, that it, it is on them to make people like this. People aren't automatically going to like this, which they might have done if the change had been made. Well, here's also the thing is if Brandon Sanders said is like, I am the one that approved this. This is my vision. It's like at yeah. that point, people can't complain like, oh, you're doing this for X, Y and Z reasons. The author's like, no, I did it for this reason because they were the best person for this role. And people are a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I'm sure there'll be people. Brandon's a sellout. Yeah, yeah. But there's always going to be people like that. That's kind of the problem. It's, it's what happened with uh, Leia and Percy Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I see it. But, it. It's it's like one of it's like I I can't wait to see the performance. Yeah, like yeah, and it, good acting is so important for adaptation, and mm-hmm. bad acting like destroys a thing, right? And yeah, so like if Vin isn't super diminutive and is a bit taller, I think there's ways cinematography wise to give that same feel of her being small even if she's a bit taller than the book description. On the flip side of that, I do think that when it comes to particularly Stormlight and casting Alethi, it's important to have that Asian adaptation. It is important. And Asian, I don't mean only like East Asian. I mean Southeast Asian. I mean, there's a huge um, like variety of peoples there. And people are like, oh, but like supposedly... Asians can't be that tall, or I don't know. You get them an apple box. Have, you you put them. You, yeah, that's what they it, do all the it, time it, with it, people. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I think or like the red hair. It was a problem, like with uh, the Aiel, for example, in the Wheel of Time. It's like, well, like how can you have a, a dark skin and have red hair and green eyes or blue eyes? It's like 
it doesn't matter. That like those like differences of well maybe like John is not gonna be a redhead. That it doesn't matter. But I do think it's important to give those other like people that have felt seen with the books and that whole range of representation. I think it's that's important to keep in a show. Yes, you can't cast Brandon has said so himself. It might be impossible to cast every Alethi as Asian. He said there are characters I'll like I'm willing to be more lenient on Adolin and Shalon mm-hmm. are a couple. But that doesn't mean that because you can't I mean, they're completely different to us. I mean you're not gonna find an Alethi here on Earth. Yeah. Different completely different. I mean, from the gravity of Roshar changing height things to the way like the world is made up and geography and all that. It's going to be impossible to find perfect castings in terms of looks. Let that go. But also the people who felt seen during the books, it's important like to keep them in mind. Keep a lethe Asian for the most part. There are some characters where it doesn't matter as much. Shalon and Adolin, for example. Mm-hmm. These aren't perfect depictions of the books. Well, let's just turn to white people and just white people. Yeah, that'd be so bad. it's an important balance uh, to keep in mind. What sort of adaptations have have you liked or not liked? Ah, uh, maybe 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 talk about that a bit because well, at least in this changes thing, there there's quite a few of just uh, different adaptations that we wanted to bring up. So I wanted to. That. We've we've talked about a few um, for sure. Um, in terms of like a new one uh, that like really struck out to me would be, uh, and I will make this brief because I could talk all day. But um, Cloud Atlas actually is one where I uh, really enjoyed both the book and the movie for very different reasons, sort of, but they felt like they had the same soul. Um, And there's some casting controversy around Cloud Atlas, but it was one where I watched the movie first, was so interested. I read the book. The book was very different. And yet they both felt they had the same like idea. I'd, I'd like to see that sort of cohesive adaptation vibe there. So I'm a big fan of like Cassandra Clare's Shadowhunter books. They're my favorite books after Brandon books, which pushed them down to number two when I started reading Brandon. <laughs> um, <laughs> for anyone who is anywhere near the fandom of the adaptations of that, uh, is probably aware that the Shadowhunter TV show is very polarized in terms of uh, whether people love it or whether they hate it. And it is because the um, TV show specifically does what Brandon was saying about taking the feeling and the ideas of something and recreates it. And things are very different in the show. Characters die that didn't die, characters live that didn't live, different plot lines, different interactions. It is very different to the books, but it actually keeps the main plot beats, like the really big ones, in the same way that a Cosmia book has the um, the sandalanche at the end. It'd be like keeping that, but kind of changing everything before and after. I love the show personally, and it is the part of why I have this philosophy of kind of going into things without too many expectations, because if I had gone into that, like wanting it to be an 
a more faithful adaptation of the books. I wouldn't have got that and I would be really disappointed. So, and now I just try and like take things as they are, but like it is so polarizing in the community. People either love it because it's different or they hate it because it's different. That like it, it is really two ends of a giant spectrum. It's probably some people in the middle, but I've, a lot of people I've talked to either say, wow, that was the worst thing I've ever seen or wow. I love what they did with that show. It was so different. And I loved that. Um, and what this like really kind of gave to me is like also a comparison with other things that I've watched where it's tried to straddle that line where it wants to be faithful, but it doesn't want to be completely faithful. It wants to have some differences and more often times than not, when I've seen things like that, they're actually kind of worse than if they had just chosen a side, like either be faithful to the original material and like commit to that or commit to changing things. And um, don't try and do this middle thing of, I don't want to uh, like piss off either group because all you do is piss off both groups then because it's not mm. as good. Like it's so obvious that like you're trying to straddle that middle line and like the product is just worse for it. So yeah, um, that that was that that's one that always kind of comes to mind when I think of adaptations and how it can divide a community, but how it's also like affected how I see other things. And I think about that middle line thing like in most cases uh you're right you you have to pick a side otherwise everyone will get mad but there are also many times where you can have something that makes a lot of changes and then has one scene that's line for line from the original it happened when it's a way of time again there are huge changes and then there's that scene in episode uh seven or eight that is line for line from the books Lots of people didn't realize that. And they basically quoted that passage in Eye of the World with a dialogue. And I think that you can have changes and you can have things that are faithful to the books as long as it's not, let's try to please everybody. Just strike a balance where, well, this is what we're going for. And these are the things from the originals that are going to work. In the TV format, they're going to work for what we're going for. Don't try to be, oh, a little bit of here, a little bit of there. Just figure out the best blend of where, like, how things are going to work for this new medium. Doesn't mean yeah. if you commit to the changes route, you can, you don't have to have things that aren't faithful. Just means the things that are faithful, they have to work for the purpose that you've like determined like with the adaptation with the changes if there are things that work we'll leave them people will always be happy to see those but that doesn't mean that you have if you commit to changes it has to be nothing at all like the original that's sort of an example yeah um, to go off what veronica is saying uh it just reminds me because i watched something about it recently about the six harry potter movie they just insert a scene where the Death Eaters go and burn down the Weasley's house. It's like a 12-minute scene. It's not in the books. It achieves nothing. The house is fine in the next movie. No one's hurt. Like, yeah. it was a really bizarre 
addition when they were trying really hard to like stay relatively faithful to those books and then they just put this in here and it's like why is this here what are you doing that um that reminds me of one Mm -hmm. that is probably if we're talking about bad adaptations oh boy uh i love these books and they murdered my favorite one of my favorite book series is when you have i'll I'll preface this first before i say what book series when you have a person with a distinct vision, sometimes things can get a little wacky when there's either too many cooks in the kitchen or you have one person that's like, I want it this way, but you should have kind of, you should make it overall like the spirit of thing. No, I want it to be my own weird, wacky thing. That is Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Oh, oh okay. is that a not good adaptation? Because that is style over substance in many ways, where you have the, the main character, uh, the other. Uh, the, the the two main characters. One of them just gets changed to a different character in the book as a side character becomes the main character because Tim Burton thought that girl looked cool, and that changes the complete dynamic of the story. And thankfully, it probably won't happen for the Cosmere. But the one thing that I actually I, I love that we've kind of gotten away from is uh, back when. Harry Potter was first come out. The first three movies came out. We had this trend of making YA book series, but we'll take the first three or four books and make it into one movie rather than making the first book into one good movie. I can I can name like series of unfortunate events. Oh oh no, I forgot one. Cirque de Freak is the worst. I take it back. A hundred percent forget because that's the one where you have a badass vampire, and uh, he becomes John C. Riley. <laughs> And it is the absolute mm. worst thing. We put a picture up of what he looks like in the yeah, movie. Yeah, sure. We'll, we'll, we'll yeah. put John C. Riley up. We'll find it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. As as that character, because he's supposed to be like this really cool, suave, badass vampire, but they cast John C. Riley. Oh, uh, <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that that's definitely a casting thing. That uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It 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 doesn't work. But it, it's kind of finding that spirit of like a good adaptation is the sum of its parts in many ways. Like I consider Slaughterhouse Five to be a really good adaptation of the book, even though that book is real wacky, because they take a lot of those elements, even though it is very much line for line. They 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 move things around, same as how uh, with Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird, they take out literally one scene that was irrelevant from the book, and it works just fine. Or Twelve Angry Men. Hmm. Sometimes you need an adaptation where you need to streamline it. Yeah. I like adaptations that use their new medium to their fullest, even if it means like changing things out of like, I think we have another thing in here about like epigraphs and Mm. interludes and things like Uh that. Yeah. And I think those may be something that like, that's going to have to be a book thing for the most part. Like that's a thing that books can do. There's maybe ways to do it, but I'd, I like seeing when movies do a movie thing um, that the books couldn't have accomplished because they aren't movie or TV shows um, quickly. And yeah, it's, it's a, uh, I think, um, yeah, I'm sorry. No, like I, you get into I, like the Star Wars text thing where it's like, you can start each episode with an epigraph or you just have a scene where they cut through like the highlights of the epigraphs. Like you're not going to see Gavilar's death five times. That's yeah. not. That's not. That is not going to be in a Starlight show. Like, it's not. It's not going to be noticed. I don't know because you, you have like a movie like Vantage Point where that's the whole point is you're watching it from the perspective of actually, ironically, five different people 
of the same event and you're seeing it from different perspectives. And I like how Brandon kind of got away from, we don't have to see the dead body like five times. You just need to see it once and you're good. You're good. And everyone gets it. You can have a, a like a shield bearer being like, yeah, that person died. Oh no, I'm sad. <laughs> yeah. Every Moving season on. starts with an episode of Gavilar. Yeah. That's <laughs> a bit too much. But I think a there are ways of like integrating that, like maybe, uh, integrate some of the epigraphs into uh, episode titles mm-hmm. and use that as oh, foreshadowing. Sure. Yeah. Like you That's have sure. to pick and choose very carefully, but it works. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of things that it's just going to be impossible to have. The interludes, yeah. for example. That's not um, going to be in there. I mean, except the important ones, like the, the Rhythm of War ones that are like very plot-centric. Ooh. I mean, like that's going to be there. Through but, line, like that, yeah. that will be shown, right? I'm, surely. Yeah. Like the novella interludes are probably going to be there yeah. if they're the important ones. Yeah. But like the one, like the Ishiks and the. Yeah. Uh, I've seen random. suggestions for doing interludes either as like a cold open or an optic credits thing. Personally, yeah. I like the idea of after credits a little bit more um, if it's just like we're expanding the world more than anything because I'm just not very fond of like the uh, Wheel of Time open. Yeah, that's uh, what I was going to say. Because I didn't understand what was happening and I feel like that's the same thing is going to happen. Mm. But um, yeah, I've seen a couple of suggestions of like trying to put those in. I don't know how to do like the epigraphs. That, I yeah. mean, what, <laughs> that seems hard. What I would do is kind of do kind of like uh, the animatrix and just have them as a separate thing of like shorts mm-hmm. that you can have like a little an, time yeah yeah I, you, you can do like a little bit of like kind of like what star wars i was thinking star wars now no that's that's an mmo whatever that the anime star wars thing is uh kind of use, oh star wars visions that's the name of it oh visions, yeah. three three minute shorts maybe even those are the ones that are animated or something you get, you get yeah. people arcane yeah, yeah, yeah. so brandon gets those people and he's happy. <laughs> I, I, I think Grace. I think as fans, we're just probably going to have to accept that uh, in something like Stormlight, we're going to get a smaller world. Like Brandon has even talked about moving Shalon's Carbronthok arc to the Shattered Plains, and we're not going to necessarily get the interludes. Um, and I think just practically looking at the medium of TV versus books, that's just something that's going to have to happen. The- the great thing about the medium of film is a lot of things that take 12 to 15 pages to explain, you can do in two seconds uh, in yeah. many ways. You don't have to show Vin drinking a vial. You only need to show it once and people get it. When it comes to breathing in stormlight, the, the spheres just need to disappear and you get it. Uh, mm-hmm. Saying oaths, those are, like, I guess, big moments like that you need to keep. But for the most part, like fight scenes, they could take let's say 20 pages for, I don't know why there's 20 pages for a fight scene, but you can truncate that to 30 seconds of on screen time. Mm-hmm. Personally, I'd be very happy with that because I'm sick of Brandon's fight scene. You know, they're going to work a lot better visually. Cause when I read them, I look at them visually and it looks much better. Depending, it all depends on who you get it for a fight choreographer. We get a choreographer. Yep. Yeah. You need a good choreographer. Yeah. For the I want, yeah. yeah. Speaking of like fights, like I definitely want to see like, Kelsey are fighting the Inquisitor, right? Like yeah, that's a key fight. Uh, and seeing that will be cool. How would you integrate some of these side stories like secret history and stuff? And I'm probably like, a lot of that stuff's not going to be there, but I had an amazing idea 
for secret history, at least the first part, because I think you still want in a Mistborn uh, show the moment where Kelsier dies and like, oh, you think he's dead and uh, and, and all that. What you do, it's so simple. At the end of that movie, you just have a post credit scene of him yeah. going into the cognitive <laughs> realm or something to just like signify to people something is going on with him, right? Like it, the, the post credit scene is is effective for that. I I don't know how you do like a lot of the stuff in Wall of Ascension because, y- you know, you see Ruin in there, right? Like it's you, you need that to. I, I would like that to be a big reveal moment there. So I, I don't know if you could like integrate Kelsey or secret history stuff just like into a Mistborn show. You probably couldn't do it in a film, but you maybe could do it in a show. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Was I like the reveal for bad supporting? Ah, uh, so, yeah. I think that's gonna. Be I would. Cut. I would push it if it was gonna be. If you did secret history stuff anywhere, I would say like post credits of Hero of Ages. Yeah. I would not want any hints ahead of that. Part of that is because I don't love secret history. <laughs> impact what? on the cosmic i'm like I, just, I don't taint my beautiful original era one misborn where kelsier died i really liked when kelsier yeah. died i mean uh, I, you would either have to do it almost as if we're going through the miniseries uh, maybe that, i don't know maybe as a miniseries either that or you would do kind of what uh, eric you were saying about it's like a cold I would call it like post credit where you see is like him wake up in the middle of what the heck's going on, and then Will of Ascension is just it's just a B plot, but it's not happening the sure. same way as you you think. Yeah, or you would do it. Yeah. As, I mean, we got spinoffs. You could you could do that, or it's even an animated spinoff like they yeah, did with true, The Witcher. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, I could yeah, definitely you- see secret history just being like integrated into the Mistborn story, and it just becomes a B plot in like going forward. I mean, that that would definitely help uh, if they are serious about the Cosmere just to show, yeah, no, Kelsier will return type thing, right? Like that, that <laughs> they, would, they put yeah. the ending. Yeah, Kelsier <laughs> will return at the end. Yeah, that, that would not and be yeah, I'm sad that we'll lose like the reveal from Bands of Mourning because I love that reveal. And that's part of how I've always insisted secret history, in my opinion, should be after Bands of Mourning. But I know it's in film it's going to be basically impossible to do it that way so yeah i mean you do have to kind of be careful yeah because that is a thread that you're trying to tie to something future that you're Mm -hmm. you know kelsier does not come back at the end of the mistborn series for that or for, for era one for the climax i mean you have like a little moment where he's like talking in spook's head you could maybe do something there but the the payoff for secret history, like we said, is era two sort of a thing. So and, and like for the sake of let, let's say their films or something, you're probably just cutting that right. Like ma- ma- like in a show, you could probably uh, have that be a B plot. But like, well, the Ascension's a beefy book as it is, right? Like you're you're <laughs> you're, you're not going to be integrating secret history stuff, I don't think. And <laughs> for the sake of, in my opinion. Being good is more important than Cosmere Connections, for sure. And so, like, y- if you got to cut that for the sake of the the product, uh, you should do that. Oh, I, oh. I would also worry about, like, if, if Mistborn is the very first product that's being, or, like, very first thing being adapted, and then, like, 
we have Kelsier's death at the end of the first like Cosmere movie, and then yes. it immediately gets reverted. Like death, yeah. the permanence of death is already <laughs> something that people kind of complain about in the Cosmere. <laughs> and I, I just feel like that is a situation that could very easily like turn people off if this big if, uh, impactful moment in the first movie that comes out like immediately gets retconned is as people people will see it as a retcon mm, yeah kind of going back why netflix is the best one is if brand here's the great thing about netflix is you don't have to have hour-long episodes as we've seen with the last True. season of things you can have two and a half hour movie length episodes <laughs> or because what he originally wanted to do was was it movie tv movie show movie, movie. And i would have been like 10 years ago i would have been like no that is impossible now you can do the Netflix and be like, sure, why don't you? You can make your TV show and then we can also add those branching paths if you wanted to, to make it fl- flesh it out as a TV show. Uh, I personally don't really like the movie TV show movie thing. Like, I guess it would be helpful if it was like all on Netflix, but like, mm, I don't know. Like, I do like longer episodes and not needing it to be an hour right uh but yeah you could phrase it less as like movie tv show movie and more like something like like battlestar galactica has like a three hour first episode or something and it's just called like like a mini series i think but it's just like the first episode and it's really they've taken two episodes and smushed them together as one because it was better than cutting it up sure like you could have something like that then the tv show and then just something like that again at the end and it's not that they're really movies they're just very very long tv show episodes yes i think it works better that way kind of like the stranger Stranger things does i think yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that could be cool i'm also now into the consideration of like adaptationally perma killing kelsier in I'm like, right, let's just <laughs> not bring him back. Personally, I kind of doubt they're yeah. not gonna bring him back because of the whole Cosmere implications when you get into Stormlight stuff. But you know, it, just showing Kelsier not being permanently dead is is just showing the the TV show audience uh, setting their expectations correctly for the rest of the Cosmere. I, I'm saying uh... that jokingly, but because uh, I, I do think immediately undercutting his death would it's a very it's tricky a thing moment. to do correctly it's but such a moment yeah it's such a moment it's sometimes tricky. it's worse when you draw it out though like i'm yeah, just thinking true. of guild wars eric with that dragon oh yeah and, like, yeah that was such a big moment yeah. and you waited months and then they're yeah. like oh low jokes so just reverse it yeah there, 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 was, there was a character who died and was like all hope was lost in between the patches which are like three months apart there were even like short stories of characters mourning this character and then the character like literally the first scene in the next uh patch is just like i'm back it's like oh uh, maybe mm, that wasn't very good uh, so Kelsey, it, it's always tricky. so hard to deal with. Yeah, as always. <laughs> so we we've we've blabbed a lot. We could we could also blab so much more about speculating about like specifics in Mistborn or like specifics in Stormlight, and I imagine we will. Uh because that's I mean, honestly, we could do like like a bunch of episodes uh if we if we really wanted. But <laughs> 
We got to some content for when these get announced. I guess that's true. Yeah. I guess that's, that's, that's true. when we can dig into all of that. Yeah, I guess that's. I guess that's and true. We will uh, be able to make a lot more concrete predictions. Once, yeah, like even with a studio and a director or something. A studio like that, and like, which is what? Like, let's talk a bit about just as 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 maybe a final thing. Will this be successful? <laughs> Uh, I no, I don't think it will. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've talked about this a little bit before, but especially with Mistborn Era One, like the whole idea of a Mistborn Era One adaptation feels very 2012 to me. Um, yeah. Like if you look at some of the movies that were really big in 2012, it was like the Avengers. The whole idea of a connected universe was taking off. You have. You know, the Hunger Games, you have that, like, dis- the sort of the dystopian YA with a female lead. And, like, I, and you have, like, the Dark Knight, you have that sort of shift into a bit of, like, a grittier tone for a lot of these type things. And it's it's not to say that, like, Mistborn is all those things and they can't differentiate it and make it its own successful thing. I just wonder, you know how much audiences are going to look at some of these factors and be like, didn't these trends like already die out a year, like years ago? Why are we getting another story about a teenage girl saving the world? I, I feel like you need to go all the way into the heist to help mm-hmm. that, to not just feel like teenager in, you know, a dystopia, right? Mm-hmm. But that actually... What you just said, Grace, might be a great reason why they need to maybe change things more than we might expect, Mm -hmm. potentially. If it's just Mm like, wow, this is testing awful because it's like everyone's sick of all of this. And like, not to say that you want to chase trends, but if a trend has died and you're like, "Eh, I don't know about this. Yeah, I think they could like push that like it's Ocean's Eleven, but high fantasy Fantasy. gritty gothic Mm -hmm. um i think that you're gonna get a little more traction than like the semi ya young protagonist saves the world sort of a thing i think there's a lot about like even if they make these adaptations like amazing in and of themselves success is not always defined Mm -hmm. by how good something is um it depends on when it's released what people are Mm -hmm. looking for there's a lot you can't control so it's hard to say a terrible thing could be very popular a good thing could not be watched by anyone really like that's all that's possible other than the high stuff things they will definitely push are the magic systems because that differentiates sure right particularly with Mistborn from everything else but grace does bring up a really good point in like we hope it's successful Brandon has shown he can be successful, but what about the wider audience? Yeah. And that's what worries me. I think they could, like, kind of go in after, like, Shadow and Burn and try and, like, ride that a little bit. But to do that, I think they need to tone down the dystopian side of things. Because I mm. 100% see what Grace is going for. And I think if you just take this one as it is, it is kind of like dysopian YA like teenage girl saves the world which is exactly what it was back in like 2012 2013 but I think if they can take out some of that dystopia aspect a little bit and like downplay it and like try and like get in behind shadow and bone which did do quite well even though that is also teenage girl saves the world 
um like i think there's a way to do it but yeah they have to specifically try to go a different angle i think like they can't just put it up as is because i i don't think that's gonna go well yeah oh this is so tricky of just the overall messaging about a product rather than adapting it or well or and things like oh i'm so like glad i'm not in marketing yeah. marketing how many trailers yeah. do they put out yeah yeah like how do they frame oh, stuff no. it makes a huge difference I'm mm-hmm. glad I'm not in charge of that because that sounds Wait. so stressful. <laughs> like, oh no, it can be very stressful. Yeah, and and even just to, I think from a visual perspective, one of the biggest complaints I see is like, oh, everything is filmed to be so dark. Everything is hard mm. to see. Like, sure. Like Roshar, Roshar. I mean, I don't think you would have that problem. But if you're going for like just what's on the page for Mistborn, like, yeah, that's you're going to have to do some. I think changes to even just how visually it's filmed in order for people to not have those complaints mm. right off the bat or or you maybe lean and make it like hyper stylized maybe in that way maybe uh like an example that comes to mind is like 300 where it's like super stylized in that way and it's ramped up to 11 because i think if you maybe didn't it's like all right red sky black ash white mists that's our color palette and there are no other colors like oh okay yikes that might not work so great i mean that's that's one of the things i've always loved about like mistborn setting is and the idea of like taking it into a visual medium of like moving from the very dismal grays and ash Mm -hmm. and brown of the streets and the crew and then all of a sudden you step into the sort of high society and it's colorful and and bright and dresses and glass yeah i love for them to lean really hard into like how different the worlds feel when they're that's right next true. door to each other that's true. i love yeah. that that's a really good point and one that i was thinking about too just because the stained glass like i was thinking of uh zoe thatcher's recent art and that just immediately it's colors it's life and i think that contrast is really interesting because you don't see that contrast in other dystopian pieces of media no you kind of do like hunger games terrible outside and then like the the core games but but i think that it's something that they could lean into yeah and would really help and it oh my god production value it's it would be so so pretty And it's funny because Mistborn can go all over the place because you can have like, oh, it's beautiful balls and high society. And then you flip the spectrum to body horror with people with railroad spikes through their eyes and the cola and the chondra. Like, it's funny. It's almost like you have every genre mixed into Mistborn and you, you either lean into one and then you make the other one more weird and vague or you just try to make everything so distinct. But I would love Dishonored it if it was like French does a lot of this. Oh, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would love if they just made Dishonored it. Dishonored like has the vibes cats. of a Mistborn setting. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I would love if it was just Regency France. Just, just delve right into that French aesthetic of cathedrals. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. good to go. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to like the dresses at the balls oh, if they do this one. Okay. I, I'm I'm sold on the lean into like 
heist movie, but with like a Bridgerton romance plot line <laughs> yeah, that like causes her to have conflicting loyalties. I'm sold on that. That, yeah, that, that could be a, yeah. a, a neat fusion, and you could maybe like market it kind of like that, like Ocean's Eleven meets Bridgerton in a fantasy thing. Like, yeah, I mean that that sounds neat and original, and not just like oh, it's a YA dystopia, right? Like that's kind of what maybe you need to do, and. That that actually sounds pretty good. <laughs> I love that idea. Yeah, nice. Yeah, and, we know, and we know Brandon loves Pride and Prejudice, so you just do Pride and Prejudice yeah. with Mistborn. Ah, there you go. I'm also just like you can lean so hard into the uh, the moment of that. Like I I know we're talking about like you might not get specific moments, but like the breaking through the rose glass window, um, moving from shattering through high society back out into the dismal sort of grays and like the you could make that sort of a theme of as we're switching yeah. between the two worlds mm. and that being a very kinetic impact moment of being thrown from one world into another like ah, they're, they're, i love the idea of adapting misborn on a production standpoint because if they were to use volume stages mm, I, yes. like you can it, it's all about the believability i think that's the thing it's like what was the saying for superman if, uh, you will believe a man will fly and you can if you can if you can sell the idea of someone flipping through the air throwing glass daggers and then holding a, a sword that is 12 times their size if you can get that to work you can get a lot of misborn to work real well that's that is true you, you that's sort of the production stuff that's very difficult to like no you have to sell that and make that like not look silly and look cool and things and maybe you need to adjust some things so it does do that i don't know yeah again like that's the weird thing about misborn is it goes from high society regency you're talking about like being misty and dreary and then you just have body horror and weird monsters <laughs> on two sides and then you get into human allergy and you're just like uh well, well I, I miss my regency story he it is a really weird amalgamation that obviously brandon loves the those amalgamations to like sort of provide that conflict and uh you know two co- uh, opposing ideas make something very interesting can make like selling a product to a wide audience is like what is this because will you try and please everyone and end up pleasing no one right it's tricky the flip side is, is he's not selling it to anyone they're trying to sell it to that's him that's true that's true so they they know exactly what they're doing well hopefully well, hopefully but <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> maybe maybe that's the best thing to go uh, they know what they're doing well hopefully <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> pretty much yep. hopefully uh, but. but i think that that well they know what they're doing hopefully is probably like the best case scenario for a cosmere adaptation the fact that they are coming to brandon and not the other way around it feels yeah. like whatever happens they are going to give it their all yeah and so I think that's a very good sign without even knowing what's going yeah. to be adapted, who's on it, what studio, all of that. Regardless of that, they are going to give it their all. I think that the comfort is knowing that when this, but it's not even if, it's like when this gets announced, knowing that Brandon is able to be a part of it 
and being like the yes no person because we know what happens when you don't get that you there's that very famous letter that rick Ryden has on his blog about yes. to the executives which i have hanged up just in case like stuff like that happened i'm sure he gave it to all the disney executives <laughs> like this is what i don't want but knowing that he's there and he's able to help and he's the one that's like hey we're making these changes but this is coming from me rather than some someone doing this and changing my work is kind of like usually the, the problems. Yeah. But yeah. finding that healthy balance and finding a team that's like, we love this. We want to make this world. We're going to go for it and we're going to give it our all is going to be fun. I mean, it could fail, but at least Brandon failed on his terms. And I feel yeah, like yeah. that's a little better than someone yeah, taking sure. his product. Let's say Mistborn was made in 2012, which I'm surprised it wasn't. Because yeah, it would be very timely yeah. around that time. I, I, could, I could already see Lincoln Park, oh, like, <laughs> them playing, like what I what I've become when it comes to Marsh in the in the oh, in no. the ashes and stuff like this. Oh no! But oh, at least there's the dragons radioactive at dust. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh yeah. I guess yeah. The 100. Oh god. Oh. Yeah. But um, this is the beautiful thing about the Cosmere compared to other properties. It has never been adapted before, so the sky's the limit. You can't compare it to anything else as of right now, so it can be its own thing. Like Marvel movies, you had the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. Lord of the Rings, you got Lord of the Rings. Peter in the Jackson. Hobbit. Yeah, you. When once you kind of set that precedent, it becomes hard. But we're in that interesting world where the technology is here. You can make it. People are coming to Brandon. That's wonderful. Brandon also is already thinking about it in a visual sense rather than a book sense. And you get that all together, you can get something magical. Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have no doubt that we will talk more about adaptations. Uh, we, I'm sure we will have a show once we get an announcement. Uh, I hope it will be before Lost Metal because we got stuff to do. Oh my God, Lost Metal. (laughs) But, yeah, and after yeah. Lost Metal, the craziness is not going to stop. We're, we're until not going to. 2024. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to stop at talking about book things and maybe we need a spinoff thing. I don't know. We'll need to see. We don't know what any of this is. So we'll, we'll see. But y- you can bet we're going to be blabbing about an announcement uh, when, whenever that comes. So hopefully it's good. And I don't know. In that case, I think it's time. Or who's that Cosmere character? This character is from Roshar. Menace. Tia. Tom. Braze. Void in drag on a horse. <laughs> it's time for who's that Cosmere character? Call. All right, listeners, you know how the game is played. You send an email to WTCC with five clues and character that those clues correspond to. I read each clue aloud, and after each one, our panelists will have the chance to guess who's that Cosmere character. <laughs> Let's begin. Uh, this one was sent in by Oliver. Cool. Clue one. This character is a member of the nobility. Alan. It is not Ellen. Mistborn movie on the brain. It is not. It is not Sean Alariel. Uh, I was going to say Straffenture. It is not Straffenture. <laughs> Did you get Siri. something? It is not Siri. That's Siri. Oh man. Uh, 
Uh, Welcome I, I like to the show, Matt, Zach. Matt, yeah, it's, it's yeah. hard. It's, it's hard, hard, but also my brain's like, remember all those characters you like? Well, they're gone now. Yeah. You can always pass <laughs> if you like. Uh, no, you're you're uh, a guest, so you, the, it's, who, the pressure's not on as much for you. Who, who's the um, <laughs> Ellen's friend that he totally doesn't kill, but kills? Just uh, as they call? You gotta be... Uh, okay. Yeah. Or the TKL? What's his TKL friend? Telden. Well, there's Telden Hasting. Uh, no, it's only beheads. No, no, no. That's, I think that's, that's, that's what she says. That's like all. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Telden survives, I think. You see him in here, right? Um, oh. Yeah. yeah. I don't I don't know. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, do you want to pick Jastas or uh, Telden? <laughs> Gotta pick one. Uh, uh, Telden? It is not Telden. Oh, Rip. thank God. <laughs> Clearly, too. This character became a politician on screen. Became a politician on screen. Dalinar. It is not Dalinar. Uh, is it Wax? It is not Wax. Good guess. Um, Penrod? It is not Penrod. <sighs> That's what I was thinking, Jess, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to guess it. Steris? <laughs> ah. It is not Steris. Mm. Uh, oh. What are the names? There's so many Luthadel Assembly members that I could guess, but I don't remember their names. Uh, We're very misborn this episode. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Which is like, oh shoot, statistically I should be thinking Cha-ching. Stormlight, shouldn't wow. I? Uh, <laughs> But, uh, buh, 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 um, Yasna. It is not Yasna. Came the queen. That's a politician. <laughs> like, but I guess a princess is kind of politician. I don't know. What, what is a politician? Okay. That's the thing I was thinking about with Dalinar. Like, I mean, you have, so, like, um, yes, Dalinar taking a big role politically yeah but he's um, always in the been, series. But you also, yeah. then you also have the flashbacks where yeah. he literally became a politician on screen that's is true. it is it what's his name penrose the the guy that takes over against elland uh that's penrod and just uh, already guessed no, him. i i no, guess him i don't i don't know then yeah <laughs> are you passing yeah all right clue three this character is a military officer Oh God! Ooh, that should be Adeline? helpful. Hmm. Is It is not Adolin. Is it Kaladin? It is not Kaladin. Okay. <laughs> He'd hate having. They say military first. I think I know but it's not wrong. <sighs> no, that doesn't work. I mean, going again the flashback route, Sadius. It's not Sadius. Yeah, I know that doesn't think of a guess, but oh, I can't man. think of anything else. It really narrow it down, I think, but it, it doesn't. Uh, oh, God. I, was, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to guess Eondel from Elantris, because there's a <laughs> lot of Aurelish, uh nobility that we could go with, too. And, uh, no, uh, yeah. yeah. Right. This is not Eondel. Okay. Clue four. This character was severely wounded on a battlefield. Oh god, that should be is super it... helpful. Oh, is, is it Demu? This is not Demu. 
Oh, dang it. I know what it is. Oh, you can Sorry. guess next time, maybe. <laughs> it's just glue four. Uh, is it? I don't know his name, but like the the soldier that Dalinar kind of recruits after shooting arrows at him. Oh, Taleb? Yeah. Yeah. It is not Taleb. No idea. What what was the most recent clue about the wound? What was the phrase? Wound on the battlefield. It's clue four. Yeah. Is is that it? He takes a wound on the I'm gonna guess Amaram. It's not Amram. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to pass because I generally have no idea. I'm going to pass too. I'm screwed. All right. Clue five. This character went missing during a catastrophe. Oh, is it Eshenai? It is not Eshenai. Oh, that is my thoughts too. Yeah, that is good. Is it Doxon? It is not Doxon. Oh. Is it it Taln? It is not Taln. Is it Venli? It is not Venli. Oh, God. She's not wounded. Oh, that doesn't that doesn't work at all. Man, I really like the Tom guest. Dang it. Those are so good though. I feel like we're all gonna be like, oh yeah. you know. Yeah. All, yeah. all going to be like, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we don't have Yeti here. I think Veronica's the last one with a guess. Yeah. Yes, I know. And that's so much pressure. I have no, no idea. Member of the nobility became a politician on screen. Military officer severely wounded on the battlefield went missing during a catastrophe. Eshenai fits so well with that. I know! Eshenai was my first thought that he beat me to it. It was so good. I have no guesses. Rip. All right. Uh, So, yeah. It was a general who took over from Straff Venture after he died. Oh! Such a minor character! Very minor. <laughs> he's the that. person who kneels nope. to Ellen at the end of Well of Ascension after oh, Strap yeah. dies. Oh. And he's just he's okay. just like not in book three like at all because he's so minor. <laughs> Interesting. I think there was an annotation that he like got horribly killed or something. He uh he became a king of the northern dominance, administrating from Urto, and then as Quillian began to rebel against the new empire, he fled from Urto, and he was attacked by Coloss and turned into one. There it is! <laughs> oh my god! That's, that's, that's brutal. That's, yeah, I was like, that's an annotation fact right there, yep. So this next one is from Linnell. Okay. Let's hope it's a Clue more major one. character. <laughs> Clue one. This character has an unnamed mother. Oh, great. That's oh, so great. Oh, no. Vivenna. It is not Vivenna. Okay. Can, can I ask a clarifying question? Yes. Is this a character whose mother, like, is mentioned, but is not named? Because, uh, like, there's a bunch of characters who we never hear anything at all about their mother. That's a good point. Uh, an unnamed mother, like, means that, like, a mother is part of the character thing, I feel like. Um, let's see. Just before you, mm. uh, you answer, I'm going to say Serini. It is not Serini. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, like, we don't know, like, Eshenai's but Yeah. Like, there's lots of characters that we don't know their moms to, but, like, they're not specifically, like, we know facts about their mom, uh, but they're unnamed, right? It's tricky. Ellen? Uh, it is not Ellen. It's a good guess. Oh, I'll say I I don't remember the mother being important necessarily. So mm. or mentioned probably not. Mm. Yeah, 
It might have been mentioned, but if it was, it was in passing. Okay. Hmm. So we don't oh, just go gosh. to the copper mine category of unnamed mothers, characters of unnamed mothers. You shouldn't mothers. have the copper mines up anyway. No, I don't, I don't. But that was, that's a joke. Uh, I will stick on the Mistborn train and say Zane. It is not Zane. Vim? It is not Finn. That's what I was going to guess next time. This character is a fighter. <laughs> wow. Oh, goodness. Dalinar. It is not Dalinar. That's, that's fair. That's, we know that's good. That's, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I was gonna like do Adolin, but I'm like, wait, no, no, that doesn't. Nope, that does not work. <laughs> we know. We know his mother now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Gosh, there's so many characters. This could be. I, <laughs> yeah. Tin, uh, I guess. I don't know. Who did you guess? Sorry. Uh, tin, the con woman. It is not Tin. Spook? It is not Spook. Clubs. <laughs> it is not Clubs. Gavilar. It is not Gavilar. Okay, I'm glad because if it had been Gavilar and I had guessed Dalinar, it would be like the same that like, would be bad. situation. Yeah. <laughs> Clue three. This character is well-traveled on their planet. Zeth? It is not Zeth. I don't That's think we know his mom's guess. name. Ooh. Risen? It is not Risen. No, no, Risen, not a fighter. Yeah. Not... Oh. Um, Kelsier. It is not Kelsier. Kelsier's good. Wayne? It is not Wayne. Oh, goodness. Um... Uh, I'll say wax again, I guess. I can't it is not to... wax. These are hard. These are yeah. hard. Yeah. They're hard. Um clue four. I'm gonna I'm gonna alter it slightly because they they gave like an explanation for what they mean, so I'm just going to use what part of the explanation. Um Okay. Okay. This character talks to themselves. Okay. That's insane. It's not Zane. Zane was a good guess. <laughs> yeah, Zane was a good guess. You predicted the future. He's not very well traveled. No. Then, that was sad. Rain? It is not Rain. That's... Marsh? It is not Marsh. Lift? It is not Lift. Uh, oh, wait. Uh, what's his name? I know how it's spelled, but I can't. The guy from Elantris in the red armor, Harthen? 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 Harthen. It is not Rathen. That's a good one, yeah. Harthen? Because he talks to himself. Sazed? I don't know. Uh, It is not Sazed. I think that's what you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, Uh, Clue five. This character can be very jokey. Can you read all the clues again for me? Okay. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, this character, they have an unnamed mother. It's like not important. They're a fighter. They're well-traveled on their planet. They talk to themselves. And they are very jokey. Makes Make like a lot of jokes. God, and it's not Oh, lame. is it Nightblood? What? Is it Nightblood? No, it is not Nightblood. That's it, a good one. Is it Lopin? 
It's not Lupin. God, it's so hard. I didn't realize how hard this is. It's, re- it's really these hard. Are, these are hard these, ones. These ones are really hard, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Usually yeah, it's a little easier for our this. guest. Um, uh, these are not necessarily the clues I would have put for this character to make it, like, easily guessable. Mm. 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 Some of them. Some of them I would have. Some mm. of them are. God, I have no idea. Is this is this five? Is this it? Yeah, this is five. Okay, okay, wait. Who has a guess? I know I do. Uh, I you, Eric Feather. Passing. Okay. Yeah. I think I, I'm, I'm clueless. Um, I don't think this fits at all. But Windle, sure. Why not? It's not Windle. <laughs> no, just to say something. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I'm just waiting for. Yeah, Veronica. I think same. I have no idea. Uh, this was Eric from White Sand. Ah, White oh, Sand. Boo. Boo. No, White Sand. Okay, boo. no, there's no. Sh- I don't boo, do White Sand. Boo, boo. <laughs> boo. We're still waiting for the omnibus, uh, as we will be for a while, probably. All right, uh, and I'm gonna do the who's that costume character priority uh, queue where. Uh, if you're a Herald on Patreon, you can uh, submit Who's That Cosmic Characters where you don't have to wait a year for them to be read. Wow. And crazy. Uh, so this one is sent by John Carlfeld. Clue one. This character is pious. Mm. Vivenna. It's not Vivenna. It's a good descriptor. Um, oh. Who's that? Uh, I said Faffin. Oh, well, it is Faffin, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, the third... I thought of doing Faffin, but I was like, oh, I'll just go for, like, one of the other sisters. Oh, no. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Uh, I, I only did Faffin because you guessed Vivenna. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, I, I was thinking of going the interest route. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I almost thought you said Frathen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds yeah. very similar. <laughs> yeah, that's the uh, third child uh, there, well, uh, or middle, or, middle or, daughter. They have the a, daughter. he has a son, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> he has a son, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know yeah, for the life of me, tell you what his son's the, name there's is. There's always <laughs> like the 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 other two siblings of Siri and Vivenna are always perennial. <laughs> who's that cosmic character? Was. If you asked me what Siri and Vivenna's brother was named, I'd probably guess like. Dedalyn Jr. Like no, it is, that's not it. <laughs> All right, <big>. Prince Idris. <laughs> bringing it back. Uh, <laughs> King Idris. Prince Idris. Uh, all right. The other clues were this character knew from a young age what the role in life would be. Clue three: This character is seen as attractive, yet also not. Yeah, that's good. Clue four, which I really like: This character is related to a vessel, capital V. <laughs> That's mean. That's Technically correct. Uh, Technically and correct. Clue uh, five. This character lives an austere and colorless life full of ha, ha, monkey ha. business with no E in monkey. So, yeah, I narrowed it down uh, specifically. Nice. Cool. It's very funny that we had two that like went all the way through with no correct yeah. guesses and then got it on the second Boom, one. Boom, let's go. We got to speed up this episode yeah. here. Uh, the dichotomy of Shardcast. Yeah, th- yeah. Well, yeah. 
I, I do like the Who's That Cosmere characters that tend to uh, narrow down specifically, whereas I feel like the first two did not do that, really. Yeah. But, ooh, I don't know. Those are, those are really hard. Cool. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, stay tuned for more adaptation news whenever we hear about it. Uh, and you can find us for all your news, discussion, theories, and fun on 17shard.com. Uh, join our Discord. It's cool. There's tons of people. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, and YouTube. You can support our Patreon for as little as a dollar. And uh, we'll see you all next time. Bye. 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 Bye.